warning, pop culture leftovers might not be suitable for people who can't handle insane amounts of profanity, so you might want to fuck off. Pop culture leftovers might take its time getting around to its advertised content as well. If this is a huge problem for you, then you too can fuck off. Pop culture leftovers typically has a long run time as well. If you can't handle a four to six hour podcast, then you probably won't like us, and you too can join the aforementioned cock thistles and fuck off altogether in unison. Others who may not be able to handle pop culture leftovers include children under the age of 14, if you regularly listen to NPR, are a pregnant woman that has spent most of your first, second, and third trimester looking at stupid shit on both Etsy and Pinterest, if you tuck in your t-shirts, if you use a Bluetooth headset in public, if you go to motivational speaking seminars, if you have life goals, if you have self-respect, if you have a heart condition, if you're a huge pussy, if you're a huge pussy with a heart condition, or if your name is Melvin, TFS706, or TJ Lamb. Everyone else, please enjoy. Episode 256. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat. But it's all been done before. And we don't want to be a copycat. We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good it, toss it, good it, Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace the Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over counterculture. Pushovers. Pop culture. Leftovers. And we're the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Joker here, the clown prince of crime, and you're listening to my least favorite podcast, Pop Culture Leftovers. <laughs> hey, welcome to Pop Culture Leftovers, the only podcast that sounds even better the second day after it's been uploaded. I'm Brian. I'm Jake. And, and we're, we're the, the leftovers. leftovers. Yeah, all right, another week. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I don't know, man. I don't know about this week, Jake. Yeah, yeah. Maybe we'll just get in and get out real quick. I don't know. I was feeling it earlier today, and then like five minutes before we have to start recording, I'm just like, God damn it, I'm dead ass. Oh man, come on. We we got we got to get in the zone. It'll, I had to work today, yeah. and I wasn't supposed to work, so we got to. PCL is going to get me out of my funk too here. Oh, wow. Wow. Are we gonna that's, a, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I'm sorry. Are we all going to put our hands in and give a whoa, Bundy? What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> we are not alone this week, Jake. We do have a guest. I love having this guy on. Second time on the podcast. Uh, I love having this guy on. He's fantastic. Uh, Tristan Brown, welcome back, dude. Hey, technically third time. Well, 200, 237 in this one. That's true. That Did I say twice? Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. The two hundred thing doesn't really count. Yeah, it's, eh. yeah. Two hundred. Anybody was on two hundred. <laughs> yeah. yeah, everyone was on that. Yeah, but great to be back. Yeah, very happy to be on a show that's endorsed by Meth Head Jesus from Venom. Oh my God, I was just going to get into that. Fantastic, right? I mean, oh my God. Yeah, let's get into that. We we had a. Um, it, uh, it was one of our listeners, Jordan Waldemeyer. He like sent me a message through uh, Facebook, and he's like, and it says, "I'm buddies with Meth Head Jesus from Venom." And then he sends me a picture of the actor whose name is Jared Bankins, and he's holding up a sheet of paper, and it says, "Isaac." That was his character's name in Venom. Isaac Meth Head Jesus approves PCL. <laughs> oh man so cool so fucking awesome and interactive i fucking love it jake 
Yeah, that that's fucking awesome. Obviously, he heard the clip of us talking about that, and yeah, that's crazy. Also, a good reason our listeners should be following our Facebook page and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, there's tons of cool stuff like that, uh, especially like uh, Michael Cannon's mashup drawings and things like that that we put on the page. You know, when Johannes has some time, he'll do different, uh, you know, renditions of uh, me and Jake in uh, cartoony, you know, ways. If he has time. We didn't fire him yet? No, he's like actually doing like a real comic, isn't he? Uh, yeah, yeah. I guess I guess we'll forgive that. Yeah. So. No more free work for us. Yeah, but that was cool, man. Meth had Jesus actually like listened to the episode and uh, very fucking cool. Um, so, yeah, thanks, Jordan, for uh, passing that along. That made my week. That was pretty awesome. Yeah, that was awesome. Um, I want our listeners to know you can buy, you know, pop culture leftovers t-shirts on Threadless, threadless.com. I don't know. I don't plug that every week, Jake. I, I don't, I don't, I don't feel like I want to plug it every week either. No, that would get tired real quick. Yeah. If we were talking about buying our t-shirts and our coffee, coffee bugs <laughs> yeah. every week. They have bath mats. They have shower curtains. <laughs> tapestries. Blankets too, right? Blankets and tapestries. You can get a PCL tapestry for the wall. Can you see what they actually purchase? Can you yeah. describe anything weird that people have actually bought? No, I, I mostly T-shirts and stuff like that. I think I don't know. Maybe maybe a no pop- bath curtains. No bath. No no. Yeah no. They have bath rugs. You can wipe your feet on our logo after you get out of the shower. That seems appropriate. Yeah. Mm. Oh man. What, what do they call those uh, those toilet seats? things that you slap it's got the elastic band it's like toilet seat underwear or something right oh like a to- toilet seat bib yeah a bib yeah i was thinking i was thinking toilet seat koozie but that's because i'm an alcoholic <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'm not an alcoholic people that's a joke anyway uh, let's see. Yeah, also, check out our website. Just go to popcultureleftovers.com. I'm really proud of the website. Anthony, our listener, has put a lot of hard work into that website. And uh, he put a really awesome podcast player on that. What is that background noise? What is hmm, that? I have no idea, but I was wondering the same thing. It sounds like, like radio static or something. Yeah. Really? Are you, yeah. Like, there's are, like a CB radio in the distance. Yeah. Are you, uh, are you in a, like a control tower? Are you going to start yelling Maverick in a second? What's going on? <laughs> Always with the background noise with Tristan. I'm telling you. It's crazy. Is it really coming through on my end? There's something. I think yeah, so. There's like a weird yeah. kind of like, is, do you have like, uh, do you have us going through like your computer speakers? Listen to us doing the technical shit. Hold on. Let's pause. All right. Crisis averted. We fixed the problem, Jake. We are like, what are we like the, what are they called? The geek squad? Yeah, IT man or whatever. Yeah, the IT crowd. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yep. we, we've had, it's always the same thing, though. Usually, we're good at this by now. Do you think our yeah, list? I'm just living up to my name. You named me uh, Shifton. Yeah, a few episodes ago. <laughs> yeah, Shifton Brown. <laughs> <laughs> You're always shifting around, making noise. <laughs> I think it was June that brought that up. That was funny. Oh man, that was funny. Um, <laughs> That yeah. is good. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Let's let's get that trending. Yeah. Shifting <laughs> hashtag shifting brown. It's gonna blaze the internet. The the Twitterverse. <laughs> oh man. Uh, so yeah. So check out our website. Anthony did a great job with the uh, podcast player on the page. It looks tremendous. It's awesome. And you can go back and listen to every episode that uh, iTunes doesn't let us uh, keep up there for some reason. It's not iTunes. It's actually 
Libsyn who I go through, like, because I don't publish it through Libsyn. I publish it through. I'm not going to get. Now we're getting into more technical stuff. <laughs> wow, this mm. episode. I know, I know, I know. But I, I, I'm halfway through the episode. You're going to hear this. All right, go ahead. I want you to unplug it for 30 seconds. <laughs> and then I want you to plug it back in. All right, we'll see. It's going to boot back up. We'll see if it works this time, okay? All right, anyway. <laughs> we should just make that a bumper. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> While you're on the website, though, check out the website. If you do any shopping through Amazon, people, click our link and do the shopping. It doesn't cost you anything else, and it helps the show. So, Man, I'm just plugging away on some bullshit this week, aren't I? Yeah, yeah, we got them holidays coming up. Everyone's starting their Christmas shopping, so use yeah. those pop culture leftovers Amazon links. It doesn't cost oh, you. you any, yeah, it doesn't cost you anything, and you just go there, go to the website, look at the beautiful work that Anthony's done. You know, spend some time enjoying that. My cat, what are you doing over there? Did you hear that? No, I did not. <laughs> Gosh, it's like a stampede, and it's just one fucking cat. Anyway. <laughs> All right, guys. Yeah, so now we are going to jump into our iTunes reviews. There we go. It's one star five. We don't give a fuck because we really love to hear just how much we suck. Guys, Chris Dubach and your host is a jerk. I'm an opinionated asshole whose dick don't work. Yada, yada, blah, blah, fuck you too. These are our iTunes reviews. Whew, that was loud. I can't hear the bumpers anymore. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay, hold on. I'm going to push this button. Tell me if you can now. Hold on. I think I know. <laughs> Did you hear that? No. They're gone. Well, sorry. <laughs> this is the technical episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the bumpers are gone. That sucks. Anyway, uh, let's see here. This next one comes, uh, this is the first one, excuse me, comes from uh, Joe Schmoke, and it's titled Talk Back. It's a five star. Really enjoy listening to this podcast. I enjoy how y'all have conversations within the conversations. So many fun topics. Sometimes the four hours seems too little. Nonetheless, I look forward to listening each week. Appreciate the time and effort you put into this podcast to make it as fun as it is. Leftover Army. Hashtag Leftover Army. Nice. I like that review. Really? Nothing nothing to piss and moan about, Jake? <laughs> no, I I don't really hate. I mean, Joe Joe Schmoke. That's that's an okay enough name. Yeah. And I got a little scared when he said the podcast what was a little. I mean, it was like an L word. I thought it was going to say long, yeah. but it said it. You know, one eightyed and fooled me. And he wishes it was longer. So yeah, what can I say? Yeah, I think we have fully dissected that fucker, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it was good I, I find no faults unfortunately all right we did it all right you did it joe schmoke thank you sir uh next one comes from taser beam and it, that reminds me of taser face from guardians 2 <laughs> definitely definitely it made me snicker as soon as you read it <laughs> taser face i love it man <laughs> fucking love me some taser face one of my favorite favorite characters in that movie i want like a whole like when they have this disney play service come out i want a whole fucking taser face series yeah i'm in didn't he die though it had to be like a prequel that's what i'm saying I, you know jesus jake we do this stuff we talk about prequels and flashbacks all the time <laughs> that's true that's true how hard would it be to bring taser face back to life either uh, i don't yeah like someone use that infinity gauntlet to bring that guy back i love him 
<laughs> Use the time stone for taser face. Yeah, exactly. All right. Yeah, don't worry about Spider-Man. Whatever. Let's bring back taser face. No, <laughs> oh, yeah. Anyway, this, this comes uh, from Taser Beam. Uh, fantastic hosts and where to find them is the title. It's a five star. I found these guys by mistake. Jake, this is a funny, interesting story. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I'm excited. The, the first line's good. Found us by mistake. That's usually the case. I found these guys by mistake. Just a simple missed mouse click while trying to select another pop culture podcast. This was the single greatest slip of the old mouse I've ever done. I think the single greatest mouse slip I've ever done has been like, you know, when I got on a rabbit hole in Pornhub, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Every once in a while you go go down a rabbit hole on Pornhub and the next thing you know, you're actually watching somebody go down on somebody dressed as a rabbit. And you're just like, whoa, the irony. You know, you can you never know what you're going to find on those fucking porn sites, Jake. It's unreal. At the end of that, though, do you really feel great? Oh, at the end of it? No, a little bit of shame. But while I'm in, you know, you know, he's holding he's double fisting some carrots, man. It's fun while you're watching it, you know, a little bit of shame and two hours lost. And then it ends with. What's up, cock? You know, oh, man, that's <laughs> all this right off the top of my head, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is going to be doozy. Uh, let's see here. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I wasn't looking for these guys by any stretch, but isn't that how the best things in life are discovered? By chance or destiny, if you will. Maybe destiny is a little heavy there, Doc. He said that. Oh, my God. He said, Doc, that's unreal. I didn't even. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It's the podcast that I always wanted, but never knew that I wanted until my first listen. While certainly unconventional, it is almost the most true to itself show I've ever listened to. The hosts absolutely do not compromise themselves for the sake of content. They are unashamed and unapologetic for their personalities. A huge breath, breath of fresh air considering every other podcast is attempting to fit itself into a mainstream format. The best way I can describe it is that it's akin to sitting with friends over drinks and discussing all things nerd and or geek. Jake, people say that a lot. Listening to our show is like sitting around with your friends and getting drunk and talking about geeky shit. Yeah, I, I can see why people would think that. I mean, because even we do have a format and we do have segments, but yeah. most of it's just very conversational, you know, and mm-hmm. not like us you know a tight strict time schedule like other podcasts um the lack of ads also helps it feel like a friendly conversation (laughs) yeah yeah well well, hold on like i will admit that when i am sitting around and talking to my actual friends in the 3d world i do say stuff like all right guys it's now time for good pop bad pop and then i actually (laughs) (laughs) you know i do the whole bumper thing it's they look at me like i'm a fucking insane moron but you know whatever yeah yeah, it's very weird. It I, I've stopped inviting Brian over to functions. <laughs> it's now time for iTunes reviews. And then I sing the little jingle. <laughs> oh, here he goes. This, yeah, I'm so, it's, it's what Brian does. Guys, just, I don't know, just entertain him, whatever. Humor. Yeah. <laughs> Throw him a peanut and he'll shut up. <laughs> Humor him. Um, let's see here. Well, the best way yeah, sit with friends and talking about nerd and geek shit. Uh, while Brian and Jake take the lead on discussions they also introduce a slew of guests that spice up the nerd chili 
Ah, <laughs> oh, they are cooking up in their minds. The I like that, Jake. We nerd chili. Nerd chili. How many alarms do you think the PCL chili is? Oh man, how, how, what's the alarm scale? What's it go up to, man? <laughs> One to five. One to five. What? I'd say we're sitting at a good three point five on the old uh, alarm nerd chili meter. Yeah. Yeah, I'm there. I was going to say three-alarm chili. Three-alarm nerd chili. <laughs> yeah. Uh, while I don't always agree with them, I still respect the hell out of these guys, whether I see eye-to-eye with them on an issue or not. Uh, they at least back up every thought with sound reason and logic. Mostly, LOL. <laughs> a little slight jab there. A little. Anyway, uh, and they give everyone on the program a fair chance to dive into the topic at hand. I'm truly grateful to have found PCL and will be a listener until the end. You guys get me through the rough days and long commutes, and I can't thank you enough. This review is brought to you by Fapple, the sweet and salty, <laughs> thick nectar of life. Drink responsibly. So, Wow, so this must be a pretty recent review then. Yeah, this one, uh, we, we got this one on October 22nd. Yeah, that's awesome. So yeah. we got a, a new listener for life. How long will that last? I feel like people say that yeah. early on. Yeah, oh, excuse me. Uh, yeah, we've lost a lot of people um, <laughs> over time. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, so we'll we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, listeners, we, we lose we lose them and we gain them. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Uh, we'll probably piss them off or something eventually. It seems like the like the what's crazy is the the people like the first time that they reach out to us is when they disagree with us. There's nothing, and it's it's nothing like, uh, hey, love the show. And here's my problem with it this week. It's it's basically it's like, here's my problem with you. And it's like, I, I, fuck off. I I absolutely hate that shit, Jake. Yeah, did uh, Laser Beak here have that problem? <laughs> laser Beak. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, um, Taser Sharks did not have. <laughs> have that problem no not at all i'm just saying and we put i guess we kind of like we we, we kind of since we do this show and we have our social media we kind of we kind of put ourselves up for targets i suppose right yeah that's definitely the case but we can react yeah, we can react any way we want to oh yeah that's where it comes to that our, yeah. the part where we're unapologetic exactly so yeah thank you taser beam for the fantastic laser beak. Uh, <laughs> all right. Next one comes from Soundwave. And uh, kidding. Uh, next one comes from Vic the Click. And it's titled Joe Rogan Who. It's a five star. And uh, it says, I have been listening to you guys since Infinity War. And the only reason why I picked you guys over the rest at first was because of your long runtime. But once I got to hear you guys, I fell in love. Don't listen to those that ask for smaller episodes. I love them long since I work a 12-hour shift. You guys are the best and your guests are as well. Keep it up and don't stop blowing each other. P.S. You guys are my favorite podcast. F. Joe Rogan. Wow. Why all the Joe wow. Rogan hate? What does he have against <laughs> Joe Rogan? I know. I'm not, you know, hold on. Hold on. Here's the thing. Joe Rogan, is a, he puts on a way better podcast, guys. Yeah, I feel uncomfortable having this guy, like, put us, like, yeah. in this, like, pseudo-war against Joe Rogan. Oh, he, we're, we, are just, we are just mites on his ball sack. We are nothing. I mean, we are nothing yeah, compared yeah. to the great Joe Rogan. So, 
My God. At least put us in a podcast war yeah. with some, I mean, some other podcast, some lesser podcast. We now, have to stand a chance again. Now you're asking for trouble. I don't want that either. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want I don't want to be a part of any of that. So, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, yeah. Joe Rogan's not going to notice us. You're right about that. I I think, you know, I think a lot of people, when they do click on it, on our uh, pop culture uh, podcast here, Jake, I think they do see the long run time. They're like, eh, I'll pass. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, man, the people that are looking for uh, the longest run times, we always win them over. Oh, I, my God. Our podcast. It really just depends on what you're looking for, you yeah. know? I mean, if you're just trying to get the info, then no one's going to want to listen to a six-hour podcast. But if you're trying to pass time at work or, you know, just – listen to something to make time pass, you know, then six hours is great. You know, seven hours is great. Yeah. Some people just want to like listen to one thing and they don't want to have to keep searching for another podcast to find while they're doing their work or housework or whatever. They just want to be able to listen to one thing for a long time. And that's who we're here for, Jake. We're here for those people. Yeah, we got them. We got their backs. (laughs) We'll bring the info. We will bring catering to people that don't like switching apps. Yeah. <laughs> or podcast. Or podcast for that matter. Um, let's see. What else? Did I have something else I wanted to talk about? Yeah, that's all our iTunes reviews. Thank you, everybody. That was awesome. Good shit. I'm going to give Michael Cannon a week this, uh, a break this week, Jake, from the, uh, the mashups and stuff. All right. Oh, really? Yeah. Give him a break. I'm enjoying them. They are fantastic. I'm just I'm gonna give them a I'm gonna give them one week break and then I'll I'll maybe I'll come back with something next week. Can I suggest one for him, please? Yes, go for it. Martin Lex Luther King. Martin Lex Luther King. You're taking one of the most <laughs> evil criminal masterminds and then one of the greatest human beings that to, that was like part of this, like the, a major cornerstone of the civil rights movement, and you want him to mash that up? <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. So yeah, his I'm dream terrible. is to kill Superman, right? I have a dream. Superman will never live to see another day. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Oh my gosh, Michael, um, please do not do that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah, if you do just send it to me or Tristan. Don't don't. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right, I had I did have a question. I kind I let you guys in on it before I was going to ask it. And we're then we're going to get the good pop bad pop where we talk about a bunch of shit people. All right? Then we'll get into the content. Um but you know how they have like the the pop-up restaurants. You know, they did like a, a Saved by the Bell pop-up restaurant and they made it look like the max from the uh, saved by the bell tv show they did the uh chicken restaurant from uh, breaking bad los polos hermanos mm-hmm. um i'm asking you guys like and you don't have to do like an actual restaurant within a tv show but like what pop-up themed restaurant would you want uh and uh, just a pop culture themed restaurant so i'm gonna ask tristan i'm gonna start off with you i'm gonna have to go with like rick and morty like i would want all the waiters and servers to be just different Mortys from different dimensions. Mm. I like that a lot. That's a good one. Yeah. A Rick and Morty pop-up restaurant. The only thing on the menu is like Szechuan sauce or something. Pickled <laughs> Ricks. <laughs> Pickled Ricks with Szechuan sauce. Yeah. That's fantastic. Jake, what about you? 
Uh, I actually thought animation too, and I, I was kind of wanting a Futurama themed pop up restaurant. I think would be a lot of fun with like mostly focused around like all the robots of Futurama, you know, like the old Calcutron Calc- and all that stuff. So, but yeah, I thought about a little bit like about the episode two diner too, and that would be oh. pretty funny. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That would be a good one. The fifties uh, diner in space steam, you know, or like Club Obi Wan from uh, Indiana Jones from the Temple of Doom. Oh, that's good too. Yeah, mine would be in uh, in honor of Castlevania season two coming out. A uh, a waffle themed restaurant. Uh, it's called Wafflevania with Castlevania. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. You'd, you'd want like the syrup like loaded in the waffles, right? So you could like well have them ooze out like blood. Well, it would be it, they would put it. It'd be uh, red dye. They would put red dye in with the with the maple syrup. And oh, uh, there you go. The waffles would actually look like uh, human hearts, and you would then <laughs> pour that on there. Um, you're, I don't know. It just wafflevania. I just thought it sounded funny. <laughs> 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 oh, your service would be vampires. That'd be fun. Yeah, yeah. Candlelit waffle. It would look like a waffle house on the outside, but just kind of like a castle structure. Right? Yeah, like real dingy, I was imagining on the inside, like very dungeon-esque. What did, what did Jim Gaffigan say about Waffle House? It's like a bathroom they turned into a restaurant or something. I can't remember. He just, oh my gosh. He just, he, he destroys Waffle House in his stand <laughs> I have never been to a Waffle House. I've never been to one either. I've never been to a Waffle House either. I've seen them from the outside and they look terrifying. Yeah. I know some people love them, but they just, it, I don't know. It just looks like... Uh, they just, they look scary. I don't know. People love them. Yeah. Down in the South. Yeah. Yeah. I would go if I saw one. I'm, and when I see a place I've heard a lot about, but never been when I'm like on a road trip or vacation, I usually tend to go check it out. Yeah. But Waffle Houses are all over the place. I like to go to like mom and pop restaurants, like places that you'd never get to go to anywhere else that have like, you know, something unique that they're adding to the, to the community, not a fucking Waffle House chain. <laughs> Yeah, that's like it's like going to a Denny's for the first time, I guess. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. It's like what the f- uh, oh Grand Slam breakfast? Fuck off. Whatever. <laughs> anyway. All right. Let's uh, let's jump into our good pop, bad pop for this week. It's time for more leftover reviews with good pop, bad pop. Good Pop, Bad Pop is where we talk about the things in the previous week and or weeks that we either watched or read. Sometimes we rate these things. And if this is your first time listening, we want you to be familiar with our rating system. The rating system is simple. If the leftovers don't like something, they toss it. If they do like something, they suggest you taste it. And if it's brilliant, it gets a Tupperware rating. If all the leftovers love it, then it gets the pinnacle of success, a Tupperware party. I know why the bumpers aren't playing. Skype made me do an update. Motherfuckers. Mm. Boo. I'll try to fix it. I'll look into it next week. Anyway, uh, yeah. So uh, starting off with the Good Pop, Bad Pop, I watched a movie today. Uh, it actually came out on Netflix on the 19th of this month, and it's called The Night Comes for Us. Has anybody else seen this? No, I have not. I just I heard about it last week, and then um, 
I can't remember how I saw this today. I think it just popped up in my next Netflix queue. It was a, it was a picture of Iko Uwes. And you know I'm a big fan of Iko Uwes from the Raid films. And I was like, oh, my God, is this his new series for Netflix? And it's not. The series has not dropped yet. I believe that's in production. But uh, it's a movie. It's a Netflix original movie for them. It's an action martial arts thriller. And uh, Ito, I'll talk about this. Ito, a gangland enforcer, caught amidst a treacherous and violent insurrection within his triad crime family upon his return home from a stint abroad. So um, this is the first movie uh, produced by Netflix. Uh, It's the first Indonesian film produced by Netflix. And it was directed by Timo Tahancho. And it stars Iko Uwes. Uh, He was in The Raid and The Raid 2. Um, he was in Mile 22. I'm trying to think of some other stuff that he was in. Um, he was in uh, The Force Awakens. He was, a, he was one of Kanja Club. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Joe Toslam, uh, he plays Ito in this, the main character. He was also in the first Raid film. Uh, Julia Stell is in this movie. Sharifa Danish, uh, Sonny Fang plays Chen Wu. And then Zach Lee um, he plays in this movie, he plays a character, white boy, Bobby, and he's a badass. But Zach Lee was also in the raid and, uh, the raid too. Um, <laughs> this movie, I cannot believe the content that fucking Netflix is putting out and just the wide variety of content that you can get on Netflix. This is why I think Netflix is going to be pretty, I, 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 I love the idea of getting Disney play, but the one thing that Disney play is not going to be able to offer is just the variety of things that Netflix can because ne- Disney play will never make a movie like this. It's it, I, I know you're going to go there for the star Wars. You're going to go over there for the Marvel, but you, you got stuff like Apple, this new Apple st- service, which we're going to talk about later. But mm-hmm. I mean, you're never going to be able to get a movie like this on the Disney play. I'm believe me, I'm still going to get fucking Disney play. I mean, there's yeah. no way around. And that's it. how I wonder. I wonder how it's going to take over because you know, Disney wants to take over everything. Yeah. So how's it going to take over if you're so limited Hulu, if you're not going to have R rated stuff, is I, that where they're going to put it? Hulu? Yeah. They're at once they, once the, they purchase Fox, I think they will own 60% of Hulu. So they'll be like majority owners of Hulu. And I think that's where they're going to put this, the rest of the stuff. But are people going to Hulu for movies? Exactly. Mm. Ex- not original movies. No, not original movies. That's true. But I, I mean, it wouldn't be too hard to change that image, right? Couldn't I mean, they just have one streaming service and you open it up and there's like a prompt where you can go to like the G rated kids section or, and the adult section. Is that too complicated? Yeah. Because you've got the Disney brand. I mean, but just don't call it Disney. I mean, just call it something else. You can't not call it Disney. You just, that's, it's that's like everyone now knows Marvel is Disney. Everyone now knows, you know, ABC is Disney. Uh, I mean, eventually people will know that that Disney brand is behind it, man. It's, it's, uh, yeah, it's, I just don't, I think people just see that Disney name, man. And it's it's all about and Disney is all about that Disney experience and they want everything to be Disney. So I think that they will just like they've done with the past with having like other studios, um, you know, not that that they own um, and just, you know, is uh, is it Touchstone? I'm trying to think of the one that. Yeah. Yeah. Touchstone's one. Weren't they involved with like Miramax? Yeah, that sounds right too. I I'm not a hundred percent sure, but 
you know, that, it, I just think that that's how they've always done it. I, I mean, they live and die on that Disney name, man. It's just, I think that, yeah, Hulu could change that image. But I think, like, right now, with the way things are moving so quickly, Jake, it's just everybody's trying to play catch up to Netflix. And I just, Netflix recently, I just, I told you about this, Jake. Netflix bought a huge studio, state-of-the-art studio in New Mexico. And I mean, they're going to be filming a ton of stuff in New Mexico with their own studio now. This is like, just like, I'm going to get to this movie. I'm going to talk about, talk about this movie, people. Don't worry about that. But like, it just shows like, and I know Disney owns their own studios and everything. So they've, they've already got that set up. But like, I think this is the, just the first of many for like, you know, but Disney still needs to put up studios for like this content, the original content that they're going to actually put up on the, on their Disney play site. So I don't know, man, it's. It's crazy. Just things are moving so rapidly and so quickly. And I just feel like Netflix is just like 10 steps ahead of everyone. Yeah. How long do you think until we don't have cable at all anymore? Less than 10 years now? Less than five years? Yeah, I would say we're less than I would say definitely less than 10, um, possibly less than five. I agree. It's, you know, and you see all these, you know, see DirecTV and all these other companies kind of scrambling. So... Yeah, to put out almost their own versions of Netflix, like yeah. VOD stations and everything. I but. believe Sling is owned by DirecTV. I'm yeah. Not, I think so. But yeah, I think Sling. Sling? I think it's Sling. Yeah. Anyway, let me talk about <clears throat> talk about this movie. Um, if you are a fan of the Raid movies, you will absolutely love this. I feel like this is, you know, Gareth Evans, the director of the Raid films, recently came out and said, like, I don't have an idea for Raid 3. Um, I don't think I'll ever do a Raid 3. Maybe maybe it'll happen, but as of right now, there is no plans for a Raid 3. And it makes sense. Like, everybody thinks, like, oh, you got to have a trilogy of everything. But the Raid 1, like the, the Raid Redemption, and then Raid 2, if you watch them, like, that's a complete story. So if you love those movies and you're, you wanted something else cl- as close to it, this is the closest we're gonna, ever going to get to a Raid 3 if it never gets made. Um, it's an absolute Tupperware. I was so shocked at how much I loved this movie. Um, it's, it's, the Raid movies are like 100% martial arts. Like This is probably like 75% martial arts, but there's, there's so much action in this. And... Um, the, it has a great story. Um, you've got Ito, who he works for the triad, and he's one of the six C's. Um, these, the six C's are six people that are basically kind of like given power by the triad to kind of like, uh, you know, handle like uh, their smuggling and things like that and, and their crime, this crime organization. And if people get out of line they send the six C's and the six C's come with their men and, you know, basically take care of business here. And he is tasked with killing these people, a small group of people that are believed to be stealing from the triad, but they, they just don't kill just like they want to send a message. So they don't just kill a few people. They kill everyone in this whole village. And then that also means killing this little girl. Who's like the last survivor there. And Ito refuses to do that and kills the other members that come with him in the triad. And so now he's basically put a mark on himself and it's Ito against the triad. So Ito comes back and he's got a few friends that are going to help protect him. Um, One is like Zach Lee who plays white boy Bobby and he's fucking incredible. Um, 
what's also really cool about this is like just like the the action set pieces are awesome. Um, you get like an action scene in a butcher shop and a butcher shop with all the meat hanging and all the knives and blades and, and hooks and things like that is a pretty like gruesome and bloody place anyway to begin with. But when you've got people cutting each other up and breaking bones and slicing each other up with like saws and shit, um, <laughs> it gets even more like hyper violent and super bloody. It's, I love the characters in this as well. Like uh, Joe Taslim as Ito is great. Iko Uwe is fantastic as always. Um, and then there's a really cool scene of Iko Uwe uh, protecting a woman in a club. She, she's just doing her job. She's working there. And there's like a crime boss there who's like, you know, beating her up a little bit. And, uh, you know, he gets his comeuppance when Iko Uwe kind of takes care of business in the club. Um, this is super violent. It's amazingly choreographed. It's an awesome revenge story. I'm going to say this, and I'm not exaggerating at all. This is the bloodiest martial arts film I have ever seen in my life. Wow! There, I, I was joking around on a Netflix um, Facebook group and kind of talking to somebody about this movie, and they loved it as well. And... <laughs> we basically had the joke that half of the budget was spent on fake blood. Like it's, you will not believe the things that happen in this movie, like groins getting ripped out by hooks, people getting, uh, people getting their eyes poked out. Um, people getting just bones breaking, people getting dismembered, um, knives going through people getting, uh, buzzsaw blades, scraping people's heads i will just say this in the final fight i will not say i'm not gonna spoil anything here but there's a character who has a um a uh, uh exacto knife blade sticking out of his mouth like out of his cheek and he's yes. basically covered in blood, and he's the guy that wins the fight. I mean, that's how fucked up and bloody this gets. I have never seen a bloodier film, a bloodier martial arts film in all of my life, ever. And that goes for The Raid and The Raid 2. Like, it was like this director said, hey, I'm going to take the greatest things from The Raid, and the only way that I'm going to, like make this like any different for people watching is I'm going to up the blood in this. It is so incredibly bloody. There is blood everywhere spraying blood. It is just absolutely insane. I, and I loved it because it's not just like, it's not like I'm looking away all the time at the movie. Like, Oh my God, this is so gross. I can't watch it. It's just like, it's almost like there are parts where it's like laughably funny where people are just like spraying blood. Like this is the scene when Uma Thurman in uh, kill bill takes on the crazy 88s, but it doesn't go to black and white. It's basically like you're here to watch. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's insane, dude. So it's, it's, it's like kill bill in the way that there's so much blood. Is that a good comparison? Like almost like, it's in like a very artistic manner at that point, just like how excessive it is. I wouldn't say it's like Quentin Tarantino choreographed artistic. I would just say it it, it is very artistic. They do set up the the scenes very well. Like um, they do set the stage for for these fighting scenes. They they do they do it really well. It's just it's hyper violent and hyper bloody. I trying to compare it. 
maybe I don't know. Kill Bill is not a bad comparison, but I'd say it's like a mixture of that and then just like the raid films themselves. But they just up the like the blood. They up the blood and gore by like seventy five percent. It's just. Dude, it's insane. Like, knives get jabbed through people's arms, and then they pull back on the knife and just, like, rip the arm apart. People are getting hacked off by the fucking head with butcher blades. Like, and they're, and, like, like, literally, like, you can call, like, these people, like, the people, like, the henchmen that he's fighting are literally red shirts by the end of it because of all the blood. Like, that's my Star Trek reference. Like, they are red shirts because of all the blood that's coming off their bodies. (laughs) It is just fucked up how gory and violent this movie is like even the girl even the little girl at one point in this movie gets in on it it's so insane this movie bleeding uh not bleeding um but just uh or, you know she's got a little knife so oh the violence in general yeah oh my god uh yeah it's called um the night comes for us. It's on Netflix. If you have a Netflix subscription and if you've never seen the raid movies, it doesn't matter. This is not based on dude. I was smiling at the end of this movie and the movie ends with, with violence and I'm still smiling at the end. I'm like, Oh my God. Absolutely incredible. Incredibly choreographed fight scenes. Um, and I, you know, it's like, I thought like, Oh yeah, we're just going to get a few gory scenes and like the, Towards the end, like the the scene with the butcher seems pretty tame. It's crazy. <laughs> mm. That's that's crazy. So wow, just ninety minutes of just uber violence, huh? Oh, this is two hours of uber violence. Oh man! <laughs> but yeah, there's maybe thirty minutes in there where characters are talking to each other, and the women in this movie kick ass too. Oh my god! There's a woman with like bent daggers. She is incredible. Um, there's another woman she's got, I don't even know what to call this weapon. It's, uh, you, I, you just got to see it. She's got this wild weapon. I don't even know how to, uh, even it, it's like, a, it's like a wire, but it's like almost kind of like a, a blade as well. And she'll wrap it around your neck or wrap it around your arm and pull back and just like rip skin off and fuck you up. And then there's an insane fight between, um, two of the evil villain women against uh, a woman that's protecting the child. And that is just absolutely incredible. The women in this movie kick ass. So, Is it a subtitled movie? Yeah, um, there are parts where, it's, um, where they do speak English, but for the most part it is subtitled. Okay. Uh, and, but, you know, it's, it's not like people are talking a lot when they're kicking ass, and that's really all I came for. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like the fights are the focus, and yeah. yeah, you're not having big exposition conversations during that. So check it out on Netflix. The night comes for us. Please give it a thumbs up on the Netflix stuff because oh, we lost Tristan. We're gonna get it back, but um, yeah, please give it a thumbs up on Netflix. Do that with the Netflix stuff, guys. If you like it, give it a thumbs up. All right, one moment. All right, hey, we are back. Uh, I, the next thing I wanted to talk about uh, is. Uh, Darren Brown's new special on Netflix. It's called Sacrifice. Uh, we've talked about uh, in the past, I've talked about uh, his uh, past Netflix specials, uh, the first one being The Push, um, uh, and then the second one being Miracle. This is his third Netflix special. It's called Sacrifice. Illusionist Darren Brown concocts a psychological experiment in which he tries to manipulate an ordinary person into taking a bullet for a stranger. 
I've been watching Darren Brown for nearly like six or seven years uh, before he even like started doing like Netflix appearances. I, the first thing I watched him do was Apocalypse, um, and that was basically he tried to uh, he tried to convince somebody that the zombie apocalypse had started, and it was an insane. It's it's, it's an it's a crazy watch. I believe you can still watch it on YouTube. That's where I saw it. Um, but uh, in this one, he takes a guy who feels that illegal immigration is a problem. The guy is pretty racist in a lot of ways, and he acts like he's not, but he is. Um, he says he even says at one point in time during this that he kind of like leans more towards like white people, and he, he's all about protecting our borders, and he's got that kind of a view. And um, Jake, I don't know. Did you get a chance to see this? I did not. Okay. And that's the test subject you're describing? Yeah. 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 Oof. Yeah. And uh, Tristan, I know you you saw this. Yeah, I did see it. And um, I hadn't seen any of the other Darren Brown specials that you mentioned. But, yeah, it was pretty captivating. Um, for me personally, it's very high-tasted. I really liked how he delved into this guy's psyche and basically – made him familiar with what he was fearful of. And I think that's largely what the point of, of this whole thing was, is, you know, we hate the things that we don't know. Yeah. Yeah. And that we're, you know, we're, we're afraid of the things that we're unfamiliar with. Yeah. And what's, what's really cool about this is like all the setup that Darren Brown does for like all of his, you know, uh, psychological illusions that he does he he puts this guy through this fake experiment but the guy thinks it's very real like they tell him that they're going to implant a chip into his neck that when it's activated is going to release adrenaline in his body um there's also an app that they can track his process with this it's all fake um, it's all things that Darren has mentally planted in this guy, and it has kind of like this placebo effect on him. They also put him through like this testing. And this was crazy, Tristan, where they would allow they, – they put him through this thing where he, he did not feel pain at all. Yeah, the piercing thing. The piercing. They literally pierced yeah. like this I, – I don't, I don't even know how many gauges this thing is, but it's like a big needle, and they – pierced it through his skin and he didn't feel a thing and it was all psychological that Darren put him through he could not feel his arm it was just absolutely crazy and so it's yeah. all, all these things that he's doing for this guy like this guy he would um, he, when he heard this jingle it would send a, a rush of adrenaline in him and this is all just kind of like you have to watch this to really kind of understand it. But once he hears like this jingle, this tune, he would like pound himself on the head three times. And this placebo effect, it, it gave him a shot of adrenaline. And it's all leading up to this moment in the desert where he will make the decision to take a bullet for someone else to protect that person. And the, per- the person he's protecting is, 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 is an actor Everybody's actors in this, but it's an actor that's playing an illegal immigrant, a Mexican illegal immigrant, and everyone involved in this besides, uh, you know, uh, Darren and the crew are all actors, but this guy thinks everything's very real. And it's all leading up to this moment where this biker gang is going to shoot 
this illegal immigrant. And Darren wants to see if this guy will take a bullet for him. This guy who's basically like a racist and all about protecting our borders. If, if Darren can put him through all these different psychological tests and not only just psychological tests as far as like his adrenaline and not feeling pain, but also the scene that had me in tears, Tristan, was oh. when he was looking at the, the Mexican man in the face. Oh, this, yeah, the stare down. Yes. Thing. I was in tears, yeah. man. You know, there are a couple times in the show when I was actually in tears and I'm not the type that cries or gets teary eyed at things yeah. too easily. Yeah. Yeah. And and there were two moments, two key moments where I got teary eyed. Yeah. This is uh this is incredible. I, I I'm gonna give it a Tupperware, but I'm a I'm a huge Darren Brown fan to begin with and um yeah. you know, I I thought it was just fantastic and uh I, I highly it's only fifty minutes. So I, I highly suggest that people watch this to, you know, if you want to see something different on Netflix, I would highly recommend this. And I think that, uh, um, you know, whether you believe this or not, it's still I, you know, and I, I'm I'm a sucker. I believe everything. I, I believe, you know, 90 percent of everything here. I think maybe there's some editing that's, you know, done a little bit, but. Other yeah, than the edit, other than the editing, I, I I believe everything that's really going on here. Um, uh, in this one, I think that they picked the right guy. In the push, they actually did the experiment on quite a few different people, and I, in this one, they just narrowed it down to one guy. I don't think that Darren did this. This was a this is a big production, and I'm saying production because they are using actors here. This this was a big. Production. It was elaborate, very elaborate. <laughs> the, the biker gang thing was so elaborate. Yeah. So they had yeah. actors all over the place. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know, man. It was crazy. It's like, it's like we, it, it's, it's crazy because like we know it's fake. Yeah. But he doesn't. And, and it, it's kind of like the Truman show, just kind of like sitting back and like watching real people, uh, yeah. put in these, uh, just crazy situations. And I feel like this one was kind of like a life changing thing for this guy this guy will never be the same person after this oh, no not at all so yeah it's hey brian does, does he ever show his failures Jim yes Brown? yes yes he uh, does yeah in the push if you watch that one um there are some people that uh and it's not like failures it's just like that's yeah i guess you it is a failure when you're looking at it from a from a moral standing standpoint um but yeah he does show him in the push so i would highly recommend watching the push that's crazy the push is where he tries to put somebody through like this whole thing to see if like to save their ass to not go to prison if they'll push a millionaire off of a building to his death mm. mm-hmm. yeah it's dark it's fucking dark, wow. man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's really weird because they show you like the whole experiment with just one guy. But then at the end, they kind of show you a montage of three or four other people that they run through the experiment. And it's really mm-hmm. interesting in that way. Yeah. I thought this was the sacrifice um, episode was pretty interesting because they focused everything on one guy. And I was just thinking, man, if this doesn't pan out. Yeah. You know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, and there's one point in it where he doesn't do what Darren wants him to do. And so, you know, Darren thinks like that, that one decision could compromise the whole thing. So, um, it's, it's very cool. So I, I would highly recommend watching this. Um, real quick, I, I, I just want to, I watched uh, a couple weeks ago, Rebecca talked about the movie Colette uh, with Kira Knightley. 
And mm. uh, I just want to give that movie a high taste as well. Um, go back and listen to Rebecca's review on it. We've got a lot to cover this week. But I really enjoyed it. I thought it was fantastic. The, the only problem I had with this one was the fact that I wanted them... How do I say this? I wanted to see more of like how she became the author that, that everybody knows her as and how she, I don't know. I, it's, it's a really good movie. I just I feel like there was more to delve into her life uh, post what they show us here that I really wanted to see with her. But it was a, a great movie, uh, Colette. Um, directed by Wash Westmoreland. Um, so, and then Dominic West's performance in it was fantastic. Kieran Knightley's great in it, so check that out. I've been, uh, I binged all of Making a Murderer Season 2 on Netflix. Has anybody else? I know, uh, Jake, you didn't watch the first season. Tristan, did you watch Making a Murderer? I watched part of the first season. I didn't finish it, um, not because I didn't like it, just because, you know, something got in the way and I got distracted, but I never got around to it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I heard it was a great season. Everyone talked about it. Some people spoiled yeah. it for me. So that's why I was kind of not hesit- a little hesitant to kind of jump back into it. Yeah. I, yeah. I, yeah, I binged the second season over a matter of a few days and uh, I had to finish Daredevil first, you know, was, mm. you know, I had to finish it. So I watched Making Murder season two. Um, I, I'm going to give it a high taste. I, I really did enjoy this one. I feel like uh, they're kind of at a disadvantage now in a lot of ways, because that first documentary, they were able to give us 10 episodes over basically the course of uh, about. 10 years of the investigation and the trials and everything. And uh, in this one, I mean, we're just basically covering, they're retreading a lot of the old stuff, um, but they're also doing it with a new, uh, with, with his new uh, lawyer, uh, Kathleen Zellner, who is like a rock star. She has gotten, I believe, 16 people out of prison that were wrongfully accused. Um, wow. And so this would be 17 if she can get uh, Stephen Avery out of prison here um they kind of turn like the the lawyers from the previous season in this season i understand why they had to do it those guys were rock stars after the first season and now they're kind of showing that he wasn't that they didn't do everything that they could for steven and in a way they they couldn't i mean you've got kathleen zellner who's actually bringing in experts and these guys didn't bring experts and they actually had some stuff that was withheld from them as well so they couldn't do their jobs properly she goes over a lot of like the evidence and they get into like uh you know the bullet and they get it examined and um i mean they really do a deep dive on a lot of people are going to say like oh it's slow and a lot of times you're just watching the family do stuff you're watching kathleen zellner file papers and stuff like that and for me i thought i thought that that stuff was very interesting just to think about kathleen zellner and her team and how many people on the outside are working to get Stephen avery out of prison it's just fascinating like He's stuck in prison, but on the outside, there is all these different parts moving. It starts with Kathleen Zellner, and then it goes down to, like, people that work for her, and then her filing thing. It's just, it's it's incredible. They really get into, like, the family. They get into Brendan Dassey and his case a lot more. They talk to his lawyers. Um, this is the middle part of like whatever's going to happen here. So hopefully in the making a murder season three, we're going to find out like where all this goes. Um, 
But I think that this is a very, if you enjoyed the first season and you want to see where they're going with it, it's very necessary to watch this and uh, to keep an open mind and not just be, oh, this is slow. This is slow. No, some, you know, look at the, I don't know. It's just some of the, some of the stuff that they're, it's crazy to think just like how many people are, are, are involved in this. Not only just like the people, like the people in the, all over the world, there was a change.org petition that started up where they wanted the president to pardon him or something. It was crazy. And they had like hundreds of thousands, but because this is on a state level and not on like a a federal level, like there was nothing that, uh, you know, at, at the time Obama could do. So this is just it's fascinating. It's fascinating. They they shed new light on the evidence. They shed new light on uh, the state police there in Wisconsin and the investigation. Um, and I want to I want to see this brought before a court again with the new evidence and everything. And I want to see how this plays out. This is just captivating and fascinating television. It is really crazy. So, uh, and I want justice for, um, for Teresa Hallback. I mean, that's what this all comes down to. I think we all kind of get wrapped up in Stephen Avery and getting this guy out of prison. And, yeah. you know, because, you know, a lot of people do believe that he is innocent, but it all really does come down for justice for Teresa, whether Stephen did it or not. We want justice for, for her because, uh, a life was taken and that's that's disgusting so uh i'm gonna pass it off to tristan tristan what do you got man oh you know what i saw mid 90s yes um i've been looking forward to this movie um i saw it a few days ago it's written and directed by jonah hill yeah yeah and one thing that's very cool about it is that he didn't just place himself in it there's not a cameo or anything. This is just a passion project that he's been working on for a couple couple years now, I believe. And I really related to it because it takes place in 90s L.A. And that's where I grew up, you know, and I have a fondness for 90s L.A. You know, a lot of the places where the film takes place, the skate parks and Melrose, where the skate shop is located. You know, I'm very familiar with those areas. And And I loved how Jonah just had this passion for making a period piece that was centered around the 90s Mm -hmm. and such attention to detail. I mean, he shot it on super 16 millimeter and it looks it looks old school. I mean, the dress, everything is so authentic. I was trying to catch the inaccuracies and I was trying to find something that didn't fit. I was trying to find a car that didn't belong, you know, but. Even the parking meters, the parking meters. So we have these parking meters out here. They're all digital now. You know, you use the credit cards and all that. And we didn't have those in the 90s. And Jonah removed those for the film. So even like little things like that, um, you know, great attention to detail and just the 90s nostalgia. The shirts, he had the, they had the Ren and Stimpy shirts, the Beavis and Butthead shirts, the oversized clothes. It was, it was awesome. And I really, really... Um, Loved how he incorporated 90s hip hop. That's another thing that I grew up on. Um, there's a lot of Tribe Called Quest, uh, Wu Tang, um, J. Rue, Black Sheep. But he also has this amazing score as well. And he had Trent Reznor um, from Nine Inch Nails score the film. Yeah, yeah. And, Atticus, yeah. what is it? Atticus Ross and, and Trent yeah, Reznor. Yeah, Atticus did Ross this. and yeah. Trent Reznor. This is, like, uh, is and, this their follow up to 
the um, social network, or did I think they might have worked on something else too? They, I, I think they did the social network, yeah. And um, but yeah, it just fits, and I really, really love the score. Um, I didn't expect it. I expected the '90s hip hop stuff, but I didn't expect the score to be that good. Yeah. And and I think he said something like they scored it while they were on tour, like in a I don't know, in a closet or something. It was it was really budget, you know, and and it worked and. Um, I loved how real he kept it as well. You know, just the fact that all the dialogue was so authentic, you know, it just reminded me of things I would say with my, my friends back in the nineties, we weren't PC, you know, kids were not PC. And, and we would always say anything negative was gay. You know, we would say that's gay. This is gay. Um, you know, we weren't so PC back then. And he's clear to make that, um, a part of the dialogue in this movie he's he doesn't try to sweeten it up for 2018 you know he has the kids saying things like that and that really reminded me of my childhood it was you know it wasn't until later where now you know we think before we say stuff like that sure yeah you know yeah, yeah. i went and saw and, this as, I, I saw this as well so yeah um mm-hmm. let me give the synopsis here real quick um The movie follows a teenager named Stevie growing up in Los Angeles. He's struggling with his family, including his codependent single mom and his abusive older brother, and at school where his richer friends seem to overlook him. Uh, When Stevie befriends a crew of skateboarders, he learns some tough lessons about class, race, and privilege. Um, Jonah Hill actually got advice from Martin Scorsese and Ethan Coen on filmmaking before this. So, Mm. yeah, he reached out to them. Um, the cast is really good. Uh, the only oh, yeah. person I really kind of like recognized from the cast was Lucas Hedges, like everybody else, uh, and Catherine Waterston from um, um, the first uh, Alien, uh, the Prometheus film. Prometheus, yeah. Yeah, they were actually going to cast uh, what's her name, Michelle Williams, in that role, but she had oh. she did something else. So um, Venom, probably Venom. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, I. Um, <laughs> this movie I found out that you were talking about how 90s just like it looked on screen because it used 16 millimeter yeah after after a test screening the projection the projectionist said to the filmmakers that it was so cool that they found a movie from the 90s that they were releasing <laughs> that is amazing yeah but uh, I, I thought the movie was incredible. Um, I want you to dive into it a little bit more, and, but uh, I, I'll, I'll talk about it as well. But what, what, what other things did you want to mention about mid-90s? Um, you know what? I was really impressed by the cast and the caliber of acting that was going on there. I was sure that these guys are all actors, and I found out later they're skateboarders. I mean, it was a little um, apparent to me when they were just performing these very – these very elaborate tricks. And, and I realized that these guys must be actual skateboarders, mm-hmm. but you know, it turned out that most of the, the kids aside, I think from the lead was just a skateboarder turned actor. And that was pretty impressive to me because it didn't just seem like these athletes that were just given a crash course acting uh, course. I thought Nikhil Smith was yeah. very strong in the role. Yeah. And I, I looked up this guy later. He's a rapper and, and skateboarder. Wow. Yeah. What about, I don't know, did you, I, I loved him. He was kind of an asshole, but I loved fuck shit. 
Oh, fuck shit was great. <laughs> there's a oh, character. His, hair, his there, hair was gorgeous. His hair is amazing. Jake, <laughs> there, there's a character in this, uh, a skater, and his name is Fuck Shit. <laughs> because he always starts every sentence with, fuck shit, that's dope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they all had nicknames except uh, for Ray, the, the head guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, there was like, fuck shit and. Um, fourth grader and fourth grade, sun, fourth grade and sunburn, sunburn. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, yeah. You, the, the, you know, I, I thought this movie was fantastic. I, I really loved it. It was uh, very cool that Jonah Hill, um, made a movie about skateboarding because I know I watched a, a documentary about the big brother magazine. It was a skateboarding magazine, um, that was really popular in like the, the nineties and I know Jonah Hill would read The Big Brother. And then, like, throughout the movie, they had, like, since these guys are skateboarders and they're, like, wanting to go pro, they had a couple mm-hmm. of guys that were involved in Big Brother come to check out Ray and watch, like, you know, Ray skate. And I was uh-huh. just like, that comes from Jonah Hill's love of skateboarding and his love of The Big Brother magazine. And I was just like, that's very cool that he would incorporate that into this movie. And yeah. it's... It's a very emotional movie. I couldn't believe some of the stuff that they actually put on film here for people to watch. Oh, yeah. Like, how old is this kid, this main, this main little kid? He's like 13. Dude. And you have that adolescent sex scene. Yes. Yeah, I mean, I mean that was – I mean, that, that, again, speaks to what I was talking about earlier, how Jonah was just so unapologetically real. Yeah. You know, it's like even if it's not so PC and – might make you a little uncomfortable you put it on there because that that was life that was the life that he knew growing up yeah and then just like the way that it's so funny like the kid is telling like you know she's asking him has he ever done it before and he's like a gentleman never tells and all this shit and then like after they fool around and he goes outside with like you know all all his friends (laughs) that was all Jonah Hill after that yeah I mean that's great he's telling his friends like everything he did with her in the bedroom you know (laughs) Yeah, it's not. It's like a you know he had this moment afterwards where you know he feels like a man and yeah. it wasn't like one of those PC um, scripts where the kid feels ashamed or feels hurt or anything like that. It's I mean he responded like me and my friends would have responded in that situation. Yeah. We would have thought we were the shit. Exactly, exactly. So yeah, man, this this movie is fantastic. I I love how everything does kind of like revolve around him and his friends, the skateboarders, and how they kind of stick together. I love kind of like the dynamic between um, Ray and Fuck Shit. Um, yeah, they're great friends, but they're so kind of like as they've gotten older, they're so polar opposites. Where you've got Ray, who comes from like I'd say you know a, a, a kind of like a, a poor background. His family's poor, yeah. but you've got Fuck Shit, who comes from like his parents are probably like you know lawyers or something, doctors or something. Yeah, they went to Harvard or something like that. You've, yeah, you've and got Ray who wants to like strive and get out and like turn pro, and then you've got Fuck Shit who's just basically content with just like getting drunk and partying and fucking girls, and. And it, yeah, and it was, it's driving a wedge between their friendship. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, and, and you saw like a lot of kind of Darwinism in there, you know, like this kind of survival of the fittest type thing where you're at the bottom rank and you're trying to move your way up. And that's, that was kind of exemplified in that conflict between um, Stevie and who was the guy, the kid that was a little older than him? Uh, um, is that Ruben? Ruben, yeah. yeah. So Ruben and Stevie were kind of sort of battling for that bottom, you know, that to not be the guy in the, the bottom of the totem pole. And, and, you know, they're trying to 
kind of move up the food chain a bit. And this is just like a lot of A24 films where it just kind of like stuff happens and then it ends. And it's not, not like it's not like everything has to end on a good note or a bad note. It just ends. The movie just ends. You, you, it's a slice of life. You see like a little bit of these characters' lives and then the movie's over. It doesn't need some big climax at the end. And that's, that's, that's kind of like what A24 does a lot of the time. Yeah, yeah. And it was really short too. It was yes. really short, but I was um, – Highly engaged the entire time. Well, it felt like I sat down and the movie was over. It's an hour and yeah. 33 minutes, Jake. I, I would highly recommend this. I think Jonah Hill did a fantastic job. I'm going to give it a Tupperware. I thought it was incredible, uh, especially for a first time, uh, you know, r- writing and directing duties here. And uh, he just did a great job. How did you think about what did you think about like the four by three format where we didn't have like the widescreen? The widescreen? Yeah. Um, wow. I noticed that I noticed that initially, and I thought it was just my screening because I'm like, you're not filling up the, the entire screen. Yeah, you know, and and then I kind of realized that that was just you know that was intentional, and it was great because you know it made you feel like you're watching something retro. Exactly. You know? Yeah, and and I give big props to Jonah Hill. I mean, it's scary what this guy can possibly do in the future because this is his first movie, and yeah. he had no money. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he killed it. He killed it. It's. I'm so glad that A24 took on this project, and I can't wait to see what he does in the future. And it's, it's so and I, good. And it was. It was so cool that he, you know, he didn't get James Franco or Seth Rogen to stop by and cameo or anything like that. You yeah. know, he didn't rely on any of those crutches. You know, it's. I, you know, I, I recently watched Christian Slater's Gleaming the Cube, which I hadn't watched in like over a decade. You know, and <laughs> it's like one of the first skater movies that like. You know, I remember watching, but this is, you know, like back then, that's how they did a skater movie. They had to turn it into like an 80s action film where, Mm. you know, you you've got like um, the 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 Vietnamese crime organizations killed his half, not half brother, his adopted brother. And like he's got to, you know, solve everything on a skateboard, you know, but here (laughs) it's just like it's a slice of life where it's like, you know, you just get to. you get to see really cool things just like in the – I just – one of the things that I really loved in the – just was the scene in the – oh, my God, when he fell off the fucking building, dude. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> you you got to watch this movie, people. It's fantastic. Um, but just like the scene where in, when they're in the skate shop and he, get, he, he gives the kid a skateboard and then it's just a board and then he just starts – you know, he puts the, the, you know, the trucks and the wheels and all that stuff on it. Just seeing mm-hmm. him like, you know – you never see that in a movie where they're just like putting together a skateboard, you know? Yeah. And I was just like, this is cool. I, cause I wasn't a skater and just kind of like watching him do that. I was just like, Oh my gosh, this is, yeah, this is kind of cool. So yeah. Definitely. Just little things like that. But, um, yeah. What are you going to rate it? I'm going to rate it a Tupperware because, um, it's a movie that I would watch again and again, you know, definitely given the brevity, but just the fact that it's so fun to watch and it's so engaging, you know, it's something that I would, I can see myself going back to again and again. So yeah. definitely a Tupperware for me. Yeah, it's uh, nice to see a movie. I love movies set. In- it's crazy we're seeing movies set in the 90s, Jake. <laughs> yeah, yeah we're, we're fucking old. That's uh, it's a thing now. It's so weird, dude. It's so weird, man. <laughs> like that was like I was, you know, I graduated in 96. And it's like I'm seeing movies where they're going back to the 90s. And I'm just like. I live that. This is so weird. It's just so weird yeah. for me. 
It's like, yeah. think about it for like Days to Confused, right? That came out in the 90s, which was about yeah. 20 years after its time period. And yeah. that's, that's where we are now, you know? Exactly. It's so bizarre. It's crazy. Well, when, fuck, Lady Bird came out last year and that was in two, that was set in 2003. 2001. Yeah. Oh, 2003, yeah. 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 So. Yeah. But highly recommended. It. It's a great film. And, you know, one thing I really loved about it was uh, just the fact that you see this kid who comes from this broken home and he looks to these to these outside factors for his father figure you yeah. know there's no father in the house yeah they imply that his mom's like a hooker or something right yes uh, she yeah she was at one time she was at one time but yeah. didn't they show like a guy coming out the house at some that's point right or something? yeah that's yeah. right yeah yeah and his bro- and he looks up to his brother in the very beginning of the film. You know, he idolizes his brother, and his brother just fucking beats the shit out of him. Oh God, yeah. You know? I've never seen like Lucas Hedges. I've never seen him in a role like that. He was in uh, he was in Lady Bird, and he played the her, her boyfriend that eventually came out uh, as gay. And then now mm-hmm. he's in that new Boy Erased movie, which looks incredible, by the way, um, yeah. with Russell Crowe and Nicole Kidman, where he plays uh, he's playing another gay role where you know his. I think his his parents are like uber religious and send him to like some kind of like religious school where they they're supposed to like you know exercise the gay out of him or something you know what I mean mm-hmm. and it looks like it looks like a tearjerker like yeah oh my god so I cannot wait to uh, to see that movie but I'd never seen him in a role like this where he's just such a asshole. I, yeah, and there's a part where you kind of feel sorry for him at some point. Yeah, that's know? true. Yeah, yeah. But how impressive was uh, Jonah's camera work, though? I mean, that shot when they're coming down the hill on the skateboards. Yes. It's beautiful. I loved it. I loved it. Yeah. I loved how, like, just when the movie started, they had A24, like, the logo was all skateboards on the ground. I was just like, okay, yeah. cool. All right. Awesome. So, yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Tupperware. Jake, what do you got, man? Oh, I am... Um... I just briefly wanted to talk about I watched the uh, first couple episodes of the new Netflix Sabrina, like reimagining uh, the chilling adventures of Sabrina. Um, you know, it's a reimagining of the classic show. It was a, what was it? A uh, TGIF sitcom, but it's also a classic like Archie Universe comic book as well. Yeah. Uh, brief synopsis is as her 16th birthday nears sabrina must choose between the witch world of her family and the human world of her friends based on the archie comic um and yeah this stars uh kernan i'm gonna butcher her her poor name but it's uh, <laughs> kernan scheitner is is dude i ship shipka i think you took a shitener on her name <laughs> i did take a shitener kernan shipka i believe i don't recognize her from any anything uh she was in mad men apparently which hmm. is a show i've never seen but have always meant to but that's where she got most of her fame um i'm gonna give this a solid taste it um i story-wise I, I find it to be really cool um it's nothing like the old tgif show you know immediately within the first five minutes you realize that i mean it has its gore there's actually outside set pieces and it's not a four-wall sitcom scenario um there's a pretty you know gruesome mystery and storyline going on but it's it's really neatly against the backdrop of like being a 16 year old girl in high school and i was really taken aback by how um serious and well done the topics as far as that are concerned 
And they really touch on some, you know, like modern day topical high school, like bullying bullshit. And I thought that was really cool. And, you know, the premise is, is it's about it's like five days before her 16th birthday. And she seemingly has to leave behind her entire human life to become a witch. But she's so like entwined in all the stuff she has going on. You know, she's telling her aunts that she's going to have no problem doing it. But you as the audience quickly realize that there's definitely going to be a lot of drama involved, leaving behind all her friends and her her boyfriend and all that kind of stuff, too. Um, I'm actually not high tasting this or potentially Tupper wearing it for a very like odd reason. Um, I find the show to actually give me quite a headache if I watch like watch it for maybe a half an hour, 40 minutes. It has this very weird fishbowl focus effect that is seemingly always happening during the show where like the stuff in the foreground is very sharp, but everything Ugh. around it is very purposely like out of focus to like Ugh. add this like mysterious, like, artistic element to the show yeah and i found it to be very distracting in what otherwise was very solid scripts and very solid acting um was kind of hoping it was something going on for just the scene i was watching but then it does very much seem like that the entire show is going to use this odd focusing technique and i i gotta tell you it's super distracting and i'm not a fan it it might potentially does does it hurt your eyes when you watch it it does hurt my eyes. I hear you. It gives me like a fucking temple headache. I'm not. It, it, what's funny about this is like um, the show camping with um, Jennifer Garner. The, the the beginning opening theme is her jumping on a trampoline. The background is completely blurry, and when she comes in, she's the only thing in focus on this trampoline. And it's hard to watch that intro. I, I can't. It, it hurts my eyes. It fucking sucks. So it. I understand 100 percent why, why that would take you out of it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a goofy thing, and it, it's it's really, really, really unfortunate. Um, I think this is something you would really like, Brian, as far as like the screenplay and, yeah. and what's going on and everything. Yeah, like I was really taken aback at like the serious subject matters that were going on in the Sabrina show. Yeah, but but yeah, wow, that well, yeah, I mean, ball technique, Eesh. dude. Well, fucking Riverdale's the same way. It's like this is kind of like uh, you know, Archie comics. You know, in a soap opera setting, like the, the, the is first... this all the Riverdale universe? I don't believe that they both take place within the same universe. I could is, be wrong, though. Is no. there a Sabrina in River, Riverdale in the, in the high school? Uh, in the comic, she's there. I'm not yeah. sure if Sabrina actually made it into the Riverdale CW show. Like I watched. CW show, yeah. I watched the first season of that, and I watched the first episode of the second season. I just haven't gotten back to it. It's all on Netflix, but I like the show. Yeah. I think it's really good. It's just like in that first episode of Riverdale, like Archie's fucking one of his teachers. You know, oh, he's fucking uh, Miss Grumley, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which you'd never even think of doing if you knew what she looked like in the original in comics. In the comics, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I might Somebody might have a weird fetish. Um, yeah, yeah. You were talking about them rabbit holes you had. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, it, uh, yeah. you know, other than that, I thought it was a really cool show. I mean, it, there's like so many. It's like they're going overboard with the techniques, though, because they do a, like a coloring technique. Um it reminds me of a lot of like um, the Nirvana video, Heart Shaped Box. I believe Green Day Basket Case video did the same technique where they like wipe out the color and then they post add the color later to like give it this weird like post saturated effect, if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And there's a lot of that stuff going on, too, where the reds look very unnatural. 
from like post coloring and everything. And I thought that was really cool. And it's like, well, you got this one cool visual effect thing going. What are you? Why are you giving me a headache on hmm. the side too? That's bullshit. Yeah. Why so, they, yeah, I'm gonna yeah. give this show another chance. I'm gonna maybe I did watch the two episodes late on a uh, Saturday night, mm-hmm. so I could have just been tired, compounded onto the out of focus stuff, and that yeah. added to a headache. So I'm gonna give it another chance, like during an afternoon, and see if it gives me the same effect. I'm kind of hoping it doesn't, but mm-hmm. as of now, I'm gonna give it a solid taste. It right on. Yeah, I might check that out. That might be something I check out. So yeah, it's, it's already been greenlit for a second season yeah. by Netflix. So apparently, it has a very cliffhangery ending, and Netflix has kind of already warned that yes, the second season will be coming. Hmm. I believe, like in a very like full house or fuller house manner, it's going to be like real quick too. Like I think I was reading like February two thousand nineteen. Wow! Wow! Yeah, they're fast tracking it. So yeah, it's, I think it's already in the can and been filmed. They just split. 20 episodes into two 10 episode seasons kind of cool yeah so yeah uh, it's called the chilling it what's it called the chilling adventures yeah that's correct the chilling adventures of sabrina yeah because i on imdb they have like all the cast already listed for how many episodes they're in and it's already 20 so that must mean they're already all on the can what was that what was that sketch on saturday night live with uh chris rock was it i'm chilling Oh, I don't remember that. Remember him? Was it? I'm no. It was. <sighs> Is that Tracy Morgan? Uh, somebody did. I'm chilling. And oh, it was Chris Rock did Nat X, but he also did. Do you remember Nat X? Oh, I remember I rem- Nat X. I remember Nat X. Yeah. I swear somebody did. I'm chilling. And they had fucking. <laughs> it was uh, Chris Farley. Also used to have like his hat kicked backwards. It was total nineties. Oh, I think wasn't that like um, freaking Adam Sandler. No, I don't think so. Anyway, I just this, Googled it, and it's Chris Rock and Chris Farley. Boom. Nailed yeah, it. I'm chilling. I'm chilling. Rope chains. <laughs> Glad we spent five minutes on that. <laughs> That's my fault. I, I take 100% blame. Uh, hey, yeah, so check out uh, The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina. Uh, Tristan, let's talk about My Dinner with Hervé on HBO. Yeah. All right, this is a look at the life of French actor Hervé Velechez, uh, co-star of the hit 70s TV series Fantasy Island, who took his own life in 1993 at the age of 50. Uh, this one stars Peter Dinklage as Hervé Velechez and uh, Jamie Dornan as Danny Tate. Um, Hervé Velechez, if you don't know, if you're not familiar with him, uh, he was uh, only three foot eleven, and he played Tattoo on Fantasy Island from 1977 to 1982, even though the show went on till 83. I think that he left the show before the final season aired. I think like the final season didn't have him. Um, he was a small, very small man in, in physical stature. Um, but this guy's appetite for women, drugs and alcohol was just off the charts. Oh my God. Um, in 90 it, 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 it this takes place in 93 and at this point in his life he's basically self-destructed his entire career and now Danny Tate a journalist is writing one of those kind of like you know where are they now pieces it's just a you know a fun piece of like where's what's Hervé Velasquez up to now uh for this for this paper and um he didn't know that it would be like 
the story of a lifetime when he interviewed Hervé because literally seven days later, he takes his own life. Um, Spoiler. Yeah, well, it's, you know, it's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a real story, you know, but uh, I, I, it's crazy. It, it not only does it just talk about like, uh, you know, how, you know, his appetite for like all these, you know, big parties and money and stuff like that. But like, it goes back to like his birth. It goes back to like him being born in France and like his mother's resentment towards him, you know, um, uh, it goes back to um, was she born? Was he born in Germany though? I thought he was born in France. France, okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. During like the forties, back when like uh, during yeah. World War Two, yeah, okay. But he, yeah, yeah, he, pe- people would just kick him on the streets. Yeah, he was different. <laughs> well, he, he he was very. Very charming. And like there was even though he was like three foot eleven, like women were kind of like drawn to him because of like his confidence and how charming he was. And like well, he, he was very charismatic. Yeah. yeah. And so like, you know, like these guys saw him like with uh, a regular sized woman and they were like, you know, oh, look at this guy, you know, blah, 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 blah. And they just kicked the shit out of him. Yeah. And so he ends up moving to New York and then um, becoming uh, getting that uh, James Bond movie. And uh it was crazy how he got that role showing up to the like the casting director with like a knife in his hand. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was definitely like the Hollywood rags to riches story, you know, yeah. he was sleeping in his car at one point. Yeah. Yeah. This is it's uh, I mean, it goes through everything. It goes through like his childhood. His dad was like a, um, a doctor and would do all like these crazy experiments to like make Hervey like normal sized and would like inject him with like sheep's blood and all this stuff and and it was just absolutely insane. Um yeah, but his father was like the only one that really loved him, right? In the mm-hmm. beginning. Um yeah. it just seemed that his mom hadn't wanted nothing to do with him. His father was desperately trying to make him taller. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It, but it also goes over like the uh, it gets into him like getting famous, uh, gets into yeah. him using drugs, um, him fighting on the set of Fantasy Island with uh, you know Aaron Spelling. Uh, his gets into his ex wife Camille Hagen, and she she basically married him just so she she was a you know a gold digger, and then um, yeah, uh, Andy Garcia plays Ricardo Montalban in, in this so. Um, I uh, I don't know. What did you? I'm going to give it a high taste. It. I, I I thought I would give the I would give the performance of Peter Dinklage in this one as Hervé a Tupperware. But overall, I'm going to give it a high taste. It. Oh, Peter was awesome, and I, I believe they were trying to get this film off the ground for a long time. Um, the creator, um, what's his name, Sasha Gervasi. Uh, I believe he and Peter Dinklage were working on this film for quite a bit wow. or at least trying to, to get funding for it and get it off the ground for quite a bit and it wasn't until peter became this big star with game of thrones that they were actually able to get the confidence in hbo yeah and um but yeah i mean he was amazing in the role i mean i, I peter dinklage is like freaking lebron james compared to <laughs> to the real Hervey. I, mean, I think he's a little taller quite a bit taller than him oh but, yeah you know yeah yeah but it, it was uh 
pretty, you know, it was a great performance. It's something that I think you're going to see pop up at the Emmys. Yeah, it was really good. It was a fantastic performance. And, you know, it's, you don't even have to know anything about Hervé Villechez, uh going into this. Like, you know, if you didn't grow up around the time where, like, this was on TV or even in syndication. Um, did you guys watch Fantasy Island? I did when I was a kid. Um, I didn't watch it, like, religiously. But every once in a while, we'd, you know, it would just be on and it would be the thing yeah, that was, it was on. It was yeah. like one of those 80s shows, like, you you recognize that opening montage yeah. in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, even if you didn't watch the show, you you recognize that beginning part, you know, with the theme music and the, the playing, the playing, you know. But I never watched and I don't think I ever watched an episode religiously, but like I always knew of Hervé Villages. Yeah, they, they, they have scenes in this movie where he's on the set and, and um, a lot of turmoil on the sets and like him and Ricardo Montalban like would go back and forth and you know, I can't, I, I, this guy just had a tragic life. Um, it's very sad. It's very, uh, you know, it was tragic, but I mean, he got to a point that very few people on this planet ever get to. And he fucked it up. He did. (laughs) I mean, people warned him, people warned him and he still fucked it up. What's crazy about this is just the fact, Jake, it's like, this guy's going to interview Hervé Villachez for like this little fluff piece. And he's supposed to actually interview Gore Vidal the same night. And he basically misses that interview, shows up late. And Gore Vidal says, no, I'm not going to give you the interview. And then Hervé calls him back and says, hey, I got a story for you. You want the real story? And then they go on like this crazy kind of like interview with the vampire almost sounding like it's crazy yeah Yeah. and it's just a wild night that goes through like you know it's and 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 the the guy the journalist himself is going through his own personal issues he just recently got out of like um a rehab center yeah and so he's got his own things going on and here he is hanging out with like a drug addict and alcohol you know uh, an alcohol alcoholic and it's it's just a crazy it's a crazy story, and um, this it basically put this guy on the map as far as like you know being a journalist and and I think even yeah, not- even during this they said something like his death saved his career. You know, somebody pointed that out to him. So. Yeah, and the whole Hervé wow. Villachez thing was supposed to just be like a fluff piece. It was yeah. um, something he was just supposed to do on the side to put in the back of the paper. Yeah, so, like you said, he was supposed to go there for Gore Vidal and and. This ends up being the thing that changes his life. It's sad. It's a really sad documentary. Um, and this was HBO. HBO. Yeah. 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 It's really sad. Like it, I was just kind of like at the end with the when they show the real picture of the real journalist with the real Hervé Villachez. I just had to like pause it and look at it, and you could just see like you could just see kind of like like there's a sadness behind those eyes, man. Of Hervé Villachez. It's really sad. So I'm really glad that he's getting this moment, you know, because I think the journalist promised him, you know, that he's yeah. going to get this story out. Yeah. And that was back in 1993. Yeah. And here we are, what, 25 years later? Yeah. And it's finally coming out. And, well, we got, you know, and he's got to thank Peter Dinklage for that, too. It's like the perfect yeah. storm for this movie to come out, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, Peter Dinklage is, like, at the top of his career with Game of Thrones, and he's doing Marvel yeah. stuff and everything. This guy is just huge. And I'm, I'm sure that, you know, in, in 
for Peter Dinklage, like this is someone who is near his stature. And so he's, you know, it, it probably looks at him as, I don't know if he looks at him like a, a hero, but just somebody in his community that he wanted to do a story about that. He wanted to get it out there to people because it, it can't be easy for people that are, you know, little people like that to, to live mm-hmm. their lives. And especially when they're in the, in the public eye, you know? So, yeah. Yeah. Um, wow. Um, real quick, let's talk about, um, the bird box trailer. Did you guys watch this? Yes. This is a new sci-fi thriller coming to Netflix starring Sandra Bullock and what variety is calling the quiet place reversed. Uh, the story of bird box begins when the world's population is decimated due to entities that if one sees them, that person will then take their own life. One woman must flee with her two children down a treacherous river to the one place left that they may offer sanctuary, a perilous two day journey. They will have to do blindfolded in order to survive. Um, I hear that you can make all the noise that you want to in this. You just have to stay blindfolded. This is like the opposite of the quiet quiet place. place. Yeah. (laughs) It's like Marco Polo, the horror movie. Yeah. Yeah. The the casting. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, like quiet place is what make a sound you die. And this is see shit you die. Yeah. Yeah. You see something. It's like once you see it, then forces you to kill yourself it's crazy so it's like monsters that force you to kill yourself it's pretty bizarre but the like in the trailer you actually see like somebody sees it whatever it, it is because they're not going to show us in the trailer but this woman just starts banging her head violently on a window to where it's cracking and we see like blood and um the cast includes sandra bullock trevante rhodes uh, Sarah Paulson, John Malkovich, Jackie Weaver, Rosie Salazar, Daniel uh, McDonald, Tom Hollander, and B.D. Wong. Uh, the film is penned by uh, Eric Heiser, uh, the uh, author of the Arrival film, uh, and is based on the debut novel by Josh Mallerman. And uh, the film is going to premiere at AFI in November. It'll then hit select cinemas and then it'll be on Netflix for everyone to see on December 21st. What did you guys think of the trailer, Jake? Oh, man, I thought it was really intense. I, I thought it was really good. As far as making me want to watch the show, it definitely succeeded in that. So, I mean, I'm going to give it a Tupperware as a trailer. Um, it looked really cool, man. I, You know, a, a very simple plot that the trailer kind of, you know, very quickly let you know what was going on just followed by lots of like really quick kinetic action shots i'm a big fan of like um big goofy action movies like with lots of water involved too and thought that was neat and you know you couldn't help but get um a little bit of speed vibes too right seeing sandra bullet kind of racing against time <laughs> so yeah this looked really cool i'm excited to see it i mean and just i it's a great move by netflix I, yeah. I think the timing is great too like right before christmas and everything so you don't you can stay home and watch a brand new movie during the holiday seasons mm-hmm. instead of even having to go out and this isn't like a rip off of the quiet place per se this was this book was actually written i believe in 2014 i just think like with was it the popular they had to have been working on this before the quiet place came out in theaters right 
Yeah, I think the concepts are very uniquely enough different that yeah. um, I, I don't really see one as a rebuff of the other. No, you got to um, make the comparisons. But I definitely can see why yeah, people would, would make the comparisons between the two. Absolutely. It's the reverse quiet place, like as far as like the visual senses and like hearing. I mean, it's 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 you've got to make that comparison. I, I think there's yeah. still I think there's still fun and an interesting story to be had here. But I'm just saying like, yeah, this is I'm just going to compare this to like, you know, this is the quiet place, but you're blindfolded in this one yeah and it kind of has a built-in trick that um a quiet place could never achieve right where because your main characters are going to be blindfolded we the actual viewers of the show are going to be privy to seeing more than our main characters are Mm -hmm. which you know you can easily see lots of really cool tense scenarios involved in letting the audience in on early and what the dangers our characters are going to face so it seems like it could be very suspenseful what'd you think tristan yeah, I'm going to Tupperware the trailer. I thought the cast was pretty great. Um, I think, um, you know, it's a movie that I would actually pay money for. And to know that that's coming out on Netflix is a plus. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's another pairing between Sarah Paulson and, and uh, Sandra Bullock. You know, I think they're in Ocean's 8 or whatever yeah, earlier they were. this year. They were. Yeah. 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 So I'm looking forward to it. I am be, too. Uh, yeah. watching on December 21st. I, I, I saw this trailer and I was like, I was super excited. The Tupperware, uh, the trailer gives me a Tupperware rating. I mean, it's just like it, my, my excitement level is just through the roof to watch this. I, especially, I love the fact that I, I, I love the fact that she's got two children involved. It's always, this stuff is always more scary when they involve children and that's why the quiet place was scary like because the kids are involved but they did really they did something really cool with the kids blind people are gonna like kill it in this right blind blind (laughs) blind blind take over the world blind people are gonna be at an advantage here right jake yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. 100%. Yeah, they're just going to be walking around in Bermuda shorts and just chilling, scared of nothing. <laughs> nothing. Absolutely nothing. Yeah. No. It, like, oh, fuck. This is, why, this is why Tesla needs to make self-driving cars now. For shit like this. Like, when shit like this goes down, you know what I mean? You would just yeah. blindfold yourself, get in the car, and then tell the car to drive you where, like to this two-day journey. You wouldn't have to go hiking through the woods and all that bullshit, right? Yeah, yeah shit. I'll just take my glasses off. I'm basically blind without them anyway. I'll be good to go. First thing, first thing, I, I'm telling you, first thing when they have self-driving cars, I hope I have enough money to buy one because the first thing I'm going to do is I'm going to put um, uh, uh, my cats in the driver's seat and have them drive around and just freak people out. <laughs> people are going to see a driving cat. Toons is the driving cat. Toons is the driving cat. It's going to be a reality, Jake. <laughs> That was one of my favorite things ever when I was a child. Me too. So second 90s SNL reference. Yeah. Oh, fuck. We're two for two. <laughs> mm. I'm chilling. Who the fuck remembers I'm chilling? Yeah, let's get some caveman lawyer in here. Yeah. <laughs> so was it clear in the, in the uh, trailer exactly what they're seeing? Like, is it like, a, like your biggest fear, like your fantasy or something that you're seeing? Or is it mm. an actual... I think, monster it, I think it's a monster. I'm hearing like from the book, it's a monster, but who knows what they're going to do here in the show. They could change it. Okay. So 
I'm hearing it's a monster, but of course we don't know what the monster looks like until we watch it. So it, it's called uh, Bird Box, and it comes out December 21st on Netflix. Fuck, I wish it would hit a theater somewhere around here. I would love to see this in the theater. Yeah, that'd be a cool experience. It seems like a movie that would be fun to see with a large crowd. Yeah. Like, it does seem like it's going to be pretty intense. Like, d- one of the fun things about A Quiet Place was definitely the atmosphere, right? Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah but I didn't want to see that. I was afraid to eat my popcorn during that movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was making so much noise. <laughs> yeah, shifting brown over there. Uh, oh, man, yeah. <laughs> fucking shifting would be dead in a quiet place. Oh, my God. <laughs> you, would be the, you would be the first one to go, dude, in the quiet place. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, long live shifting. Long live. Oh, All right. I saw Apostle on Netflix. Um, this is uh, another. This is a ne- god damn it, fucking Netflix and these original movies, Jake. I'm telling you, they're just burying these movies like in their little list of shows to watch, and and, and it's yeah. like high quality shit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Apostle on Netflix. Uh, the year's 1905. Thomas Richardson travels to a remote island to rescue his sister after she's been kidnapped by a mysterious religious cult demanding a ransom for her safe return. It soon becomes clear that the cult will regret the day it baited this man as he digs deeper and deeper into the secrets and lies upon which the commune is built. This movie is directed by Gareth Evans, which is wild because he's the director from the Raid films. And um, this is his crack at the horror genre. It stars Dan Stevens from Legion. He plays uh, David in Legion. Um, this is a strange movie. It Gareth Evans is like brutal when it comes to his films and like martial arts, and he doesn't pull any punches here either. This 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 movie to me, it felt like if. If Guillermo del Toro was like neglected and unloved and beaten as a chi- and beaten as a child, like this is the type of movie that that Guillermo del Toro would make. It's there. It is. Uh, it, it, it was hard to watch in some scenes. Yeah, man. Yeah, like the medieval torture that they were showing. And I mean, this uh, guy just seemed like he just wanted you to hurl when they fucking when uh yeah when they when they use that guy's head as a corkscrew uh, for like a wine bottle where they're going to uncork his head with this human corkscrew <laughs> like you know in the movie Braveheart at the end of the movie when they got the hook and we think we know what's happening like this movie says, ah, fuck that uh, shit. We're just gonna show you. We're just gonna show ya. Yeah, like <laughs> it's crazy the torture in this movie. Um, there was so much blood in this movie. Yes, yes. So much drinking of blood. I was wondering what uh, this prop blood tasted like. Oh my <laughs> gosh, there are secrets on this island, and they really start to unfold in the last arc of this film. There's really cool visuals here, and there are scenes that will creep you out um there's a like that torture device that we talked about there's that uh when he's kind of like underneath the community in like the underground um sewer thing sewer whatever it was yeah yeah that's creepy what he encounters there can't get into this one too much because it will spoil the film but the acting is great the production value is fantastic 
I'm going to give it a high taste, and I think it's a really good movie and a fun watch, but I don't think it has, like, the repeat viewing value to make it a Tupperware for me. Um, I do think that the movie is good and has a, has a very cool ending, and if you're a Dan Stevens fan and a fan of horror, I think you should give this a watch. Um, uh, but Yeah, uh, what high taste it for me as yeah. well. Um, thought it was beautifully shot. The cinematography was great. Um, acting was top notch for a straight to Netflix film. And, um, you know, it's not, it's not a film that I would watch again. You know, it is a one and done, Yeah. but I'm definitely glad that I watched it. And I kept thinking that Malcolm looked like Ulysses claw. I don't know if I was just drunk or what, because I was drinking during the movie. Kind of. <laughs> That's all I kept thinking. Kind of did. Hey, um, the, 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 the romance that blossoms in this and then what we see kind of unfold throughout this with uh, the father's madness was just it's it's hard to watch, but it was it was captured so well in this dark tale, man. Yeah. So it's I, gruesome. I'm trying to say stuff, but not spoil stuff, right? Yeah, it's <laughs> that's hard to do. Yeah, uh, but I'm going to give it a high taste. That's Apostle on Netflix. Uh, I would I would. This is a perfect time to watch it, man. It's fucking like Halloween season and shit, people. Um, Castlevania season two on Netflix. Uh, this one picks up where the last season left off, and I don't want to spoil too much here because uh, it's really easy to get caught up on this one. The first season was four episodes at 23 to 25 minutes each. Second season is a double order at eight episodes. And... Uh, about the same runtime per season. Some episodes have a little bit more. The art style on this is just fantastic. It's very anime, and it fits with like the action that you see here in this season, uh, the series. Uh, the show is written by Warren Ellis, and it's produced by Adi Shankar. He does like the bootleg universe films, the, the gritty Power Rangers short, the Punisher Dirty Laundry with Thomas Jane. He did uh, Venom Truth and Journalism. Um, he was also a producer on the Dread film. Um, this series, it's based on the third Castlevania game, Castlevania Three: Dracula's Curse. Uh, this, it is so dark and graphic. The violence in this, we've been talking about a lot of violent shit this episode, and I, I'm piling on to that with this with this animated show, Castlevania. Um, this is very violent. You've got vampires here. You got a lot of blood. Um, but it's not just violence. It's there's what's surprising about this show. And I was actually telling Jake about this in, in a, in a Facebook message the other day is that the humor blows me away here. There, there's some great humor in these episodes. The show does have a lot of fun with its characters, but it also has, it has very funny humor, but gratuitous violence. Um, you've got, yeah, I'd forgotten that this was, um, penned by Warren Ellis and that kind of makes everything click in place. Right. Yeah, when you say yeah. that it's excessively violent and funny. That's, yes. that's, that's classic Ellis. I love Warren Ellis. I'm a big fan of his and his uh, comic book work here, and he he does a great job in this. We've got three characters. We got we've got our vampire hunter, uh, you know, Trevor Belmont, voiced by Richard Armitage. Um, you've got a mage, a female mage, and a half vampire, and they're basically humanity's only hope. We've got the vampires getting ready to wage war on humanity. They want to defeat us, and they just have us as cattle to feed. As they rule the earth, uh, they they want to come up with they want to devise like a way to like block out the sun. They want to have like like I don't know if they want to create like 
like a like a huge something to block out the sun, like a huge uh, floating device, some magic to block out the sun so that they can walk the earth as day walkers. And uh, you've got this season. What's crazy about this season that I absolutely love is Dracula. He chooses his generals to lead the army against the humans. And he chooses two humans that have denounced humanity. You've got one guy who's like a necromancer. He can bring things back from the dead. And his story, I mean, each episode, like they dive into these guys' stories a little bit more so you understand where they're coming from. His story's pretty incredible. He's treated like shit his whole life. And then he locks his parents in the, ha- in the house as a, as a child and burns them alive. Very dark. And then the other human was a slave that was beaten and broken and this man had a beautiful spirit and like his slave owner beat him and mocked him even after he basically said that he loved him and um god that's it's this story the story's so deep like that's what you're gonna get here with warren ellis though and now this guy joins dracula he was a slave. Now he joins Dracula to enslave humanity. It's amazing. It's brilliant. And the, and, and the show, it doesn't shy away from like dropping F-bombs. The humor's on point. The violence is incredible. Season two is a Tupperware, people. You got to watch this now. Give it the thumbs up on Netflix. I want more seasons of this. Um, this second season was announced barely one week after the first season dropped. It was a hit. It was a huge hit. So give it a thumb up, thumbs up on Netflix. Watch it. Get caught up on this one. The first season, they said, they kept saying it wasn't a movie that was broken up into four parts. I call bullshit. I, th- I feel like that that first one was a movie. They broke it up into four parts, wanting to turn this into kind of like a season. Um, I want to say this. Watch the first season. And then once you get to episode seven in the second season, that is one of the most incredible episodes I've seen in, 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 in all of animation this year as far as, like, action stuff. It's far and away the best and most satisfying episode of the season. I absolutely loved um, episode seven. So Tupperware season two of Castlevania, guys. you got to get on this. you got to watch it. So good, good shit. Sounds like it. Um, yeah, I need to watch another good anime anyway. And yeah. it sounds like it isn't necessarily an anime, but it definitely sounds very influenced by it. Yeah, yeah. They, they, definitely the art style. Um, the voice acting is great. It's fantastic. So highly, highly fucking recommend. Tristan, I know you had something else you wanted to talk about. Um, well, you know what? I did start Daredevil, you know, after listening to your review. I was going to get to it anyway, but... I jumped into it after hearing your review last week and man, I just got to say that this show in comparison to the other Marvel Netflix show is just on a different level, Mm. just on an entirely different level. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I really hope that they can incorporate into the MCU at some point. Vincent D'Onofrio belongs in the MCU. (laughs) Like, I mean, this guy, he and Charlie Cox, I feel are just people that were born to play these roles. Mm hmm. And I got to, oh man, when I got to episode four, I was literally just screaming at the freaking TV, <laughs> screaming at the TV because I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Episode like was, four. Yeah. It was, it was brilliant. Wow. Yeah. 
Yeah, episode four was a game changer, dude. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> that was so good. Oh, my God. And it just gets better from there. How, how far are you? I'm not too far in. I'm only on like six or something like that. Right on. I'm gonna get yeah, I'm gonna get back to it tonight. Nice. Yeah, dude. It is it is an incredible, incredible fucking season. I I know what you're saying. Like it's like I you know yeah D'Onofrio and Charlie Cox in the MCU. But on the flip side, it's like the MCU is not as violent. So it would kind of like once we got that, we they, I don't they wouldn't be able to take D'Onofrio and and Charlie Cox to like the level that they take us. In, in the actual Netflix shows. Yeah. I just wish that they would incorporate them somehow. You know, like I wish, I know you can't get the same Kingpin and Spider-Man. Yeah. But I mean, they do it in the comics all the time. He kind of shifts between being ultra violent to being just more of a, yeah, yeah. a, a more moderate Kingpin, you yeah. know? So like, you know, I, it's, it's just, I would, I feel these characters are just so true to, to what, sure. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby and or whoever created the Kingpin, um, you know, envisioned back in the 60s. And so it's like I just feel they, they belong in that world somehow. It would be kind of cool to see like Vincent D'Onofrio as Kingpin react to Spider-Man, right? <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and I don't think he has to like maim and, and just beat people to a pole. But like, I mean, have him just interact somehow. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I, I we will never see that happening. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just being yeah. honest with you. It's unfortunate. Yeah. So, yeah. But fuck. But man. I always, I always like the Spider-Man Kingpin. Um, uh, you know, uh, arcs and stories, and so you know, it's a shame that we'll never see that. Yeah. Or maybe we will, but it will probably be with someone who's lesser than Vincent D'Onofrio in that role. It's, I know. Yeah. 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 I think that's probably more likely the case. Agreed. Uh, it's, it's, you know, I mean, I, I love Daredevil showing up in the larger MCU. Like one of my favorite runs on the character, of course, was like when Mark Wade did Daredevil. And there's an, there's an issue of Mark Wade's Daredevil where like the Silver Surfer shows up and, um, the Silver Surfer lets him ride the the surfboard, and you see Daredevil on Silver Surfer's surfboard flying around, and it's just like that's fun shit, man. You know? Yeah, that was classic Mark Wade silliness. Yeah, yeah, that's stuff that I love. So, yeah, Tupperware the fuck out of Daredevil season three, so fucking good. Yeah, and I was just kind of getting in my head about where things are going to go after this because you know after canceling. Luke Cage and, and Iron Fist, yeah. and I don't know where, what the status of Jessica Jones is. Is is Daredevil just going to be like this kind of lonely show on the Marvel Netflix universe? It's weird. It's so weird. I don't know. I want to see. You know, I don't know. At last week, I kept saying maybe we aren't going to get a Heroes for Hire. I don't know. Maybe we will. I have no clue anymore. I have no clue what's going on if, over there. If there really maybe a slew the of new shows. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was just saying maybe a slew of new shows is coming, right? I feel like that the Moon Knight Netflix thing is definitely something that I've always wanted. Yeah. Yeah, but like how you know, like what deals are gonna be worked out with between Marvel and Netflix at this point. I think it's smart for Marvel to give them characters like Moon Knight, Jake. I one hundred percent agree with you. I don't think Punisher's going anywhere. I think people I didn't get through all of Punisher season one. I'm just not a big fan of Burnthal Punisher, like a lot of people are. But I don't think that's going anywhere. But um I don't know. It's just like I, I, they're not going to they're going to give them the darker characters if they give them anything. But on the flip side, it's like 
if Disney at this point wanted to do a Moon Knight series, they could easily just say, no, that's our property. We're going to do it on Hulu. We've already got Runaways on Hulu. That's a that's a Hulu original. We could have we could have Moon Knight be its own thing and not incorporate it into the overall Netflix Marvel series and just do that on Hulu as well. I don't know. I just see them, you know, they're creating the Loki show. They're creating the Scarlet Witch show. You know, there's going to be more after that. That's Disney play, though. That's Disney play, though. Right, right. So is it just going to be Marvel just sort of creating some shows over here and some shows over there? Like you would think they would want everyone to go to one place. Well, not necessarily like the Marvel, like Netflix still has to. Well, I guess now, you know, they already have things on Hulu and Disney's Disney's losing money by by having their own streaming service at first, because right now they're licensing all their stuff to like Netflix and stuff. They're making a big, they're making billions by mm-hmm. licensing like, like the, the Marvel stuff and their, and their movies, like the, uh, the MCU movies going straight to Netflix. They're making, yeah. and, and, and other services, they're making so much money off that stuff for them to actually pull it from those services and then host it themselves on their own streaming service and just rely on subscribers at first, they're mm-hmm. losing money. Yeah. So I don't it, know. But at the end of the day, Disney's just going to own everything. Uh, <laughs> that's, that's how it seems. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's five years from now. I don't know. But I mean, that's just where it seems like everything's headed. Yeah, I think I think things come in waves, come and go in waves. I think at some point they won't be the king of the hill and something else will will arise. You know, I don't I don't think just family friendly entertainment is ever going to rule 100 percent of the entertainment. Yeah. No, no, I think like you're talking about I think Tristan's talking about them owning everything. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. At least 70% is probably soon. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Final thing that we have to talk, that I have to talk about, I don't know if you guys have anything else to talk about, but final thing I wanted to talk about is I saw a movie today uh, called The Hate You Give. Tristan, I know you saw this as well. I did. Uh, Star Carter is constantly switching between two worlds. The poor, mostly black, neighborhood where she lives and the rich mostly white prep school she attends the uneasy balance between these worlds is shattered when star witnesses the fatal shooting of her childhood best friend khalil at the hands of a police officer now facing pressures from all sides of the community star must find her voice and stand up for what's right it's directed by george tillman jr um he's directed uh some movies, uh, I, nothing I had seen, but he's directed some episodes of This Is Us, uh, episodes of Power, and then one episode of the now-canceled Luke Cage. Uh, this stars Amanda Stenberg. Uh, she was in, what was that, whoa, what was in that, what was that movie she was in recently with the kids with the powers? Oh, like Divergence or something? Or no, one of those? It's, yeah, no. it's kind of like a YA kind of thing. Um, yeah. I can't remember what it was called, but she was in that. Anyway, uh, Regina Hall, Russell Hornsby. Uh, Anthony Mackie is in this. Um, Issa Rae. Common was in this. I love Common. Um, Algie Smith, uh, he played Khalil. He's actually he's from the movie Detroit, which I loved. Not Anthony mm, Mackie was yeah. in Detroit. Um, Sabrina Carpenter, she played Haley in this. She's uh, from Girl Meets World. It's crazy to see her get a role like this. Um, KJ Appa, uh, he played Chris. He plays Archie on the Riverdale show on uh, CW. Um, Dominique Fishback, uh, she's on uh, 
She's on the Deuce. I love her on the Deuce. She's really good. And then Lamar Johnson. And then, uh, let's see, uh, T.J. Wright played Sakani, the youngest brother. Um, what did you think about, uh, about this movie, Tristan? Well, it's a little heavy, you know, and it's, uh, it's, it's one of those films that just really speaks to the times. And I know it was a book. I hadn't read the book. Yeah. But it did feel like it was a, you know, a screenplay adopted from a book because it was just a lot going on. There's a lot going on. And, you know, there was a point where I thought the movie was about to end and then realized that three of the subplots hadn't been hadn't been uh, finalized yet. So, Mm -hmm. you know, um, I think that's my only negative criticism is that there was just a lot going on. Like, yeah, there was. But, you know, maybe that's uh, that might have been the point, because I think ultimately the message was is that you can't point the finger at one person. It's there's so many different factors on all sides that are creating this environment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This movie emotionally wiped me out, dude. Yeah. I, uh, I, first off, I'll say this. I was the only white person in my theater. I was just like, wow, can we not have like, why are, why are not more white people watching this movie? It was just like, this it, it was so weird. It, it, yeah. I'm not saying, Oh, I, okay. I'm, I'm the only, you know, white person in the theater, like this is weird. I was just thinking, like, I would imagine that more people would be like, okay, I want to go, I want to see this movie. Um, just kind of bizarre to me. Um, but uh, I, um, I was emotionally wiped out by the end of this movie because wow. it's it's heavy, it's heavy stuff, and and um, just from the beginning, like a powerful moment at the beginning with like it's something that I like me as as a as a white person, like I, I, I will never, I, w- I've never seen them do this on a show before in a movie, excuse me, where like at the beginning of the movie, we're introduced to these characters and their father is giving them a lesson on how to act when the police pull them over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I've never, like my parents never sat me down and did that. But like, I'm sure that, this is a conversation that, you know, some black families do have. And it's yeah, like, it does happen. Yeah. And more so now than, than ever. Um, and, you know, I, I thought that this film did a really good job of just getting all the various perspectives, too. Like, it's not just like a, oh, let's get the liberal perspective, the Black Lives Matter perspective. Right. It's like, let's yeah. show you how the cops view this situation as well. And why they do the things they do. Mm-hmm. And then let's show you how, um, you know, how the communities are sort of fostering a, uh, an environment that contributes to this as well. Mm-hmm. And let's show you the, the whites who are s- sympathetic to the cause. And let's show you the whites who aren't sympathetic. And let's show you the whites who are in the middle yeah. who are sympathetic but don't want to do shit. You know? It's yeah. Like, oh, yeah. It definitely addresses yeah. the, those types of allies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's yeah. like. Oh, it's like, yeah, let's go out here and like uh, we'll paint up like signs and stuff like that. But like it's like the high school kids are just doing it to skip school. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're just like, I think, yeah, but they also, you know, they also show the different extremes. They show the one friend who's who's just doing it to skip school, doesn't really give a shit. And they show, I think, the boyfriend, Chris and and her other friend who are a little bit more understanding. Yeah. I love Chris. Yeah. 
I loved Chris. I thought Chris was, <laughs> I thought Chris was great. I thought yeah, yeah. Chris was great. I loved the, one of my favorite scenes was, uh, so you, you've, you've got your main character star and you know, she goes to pr- uh, prominently white school and, but she lives in a black neighborhood. And so it's like, she's like, like the synopsis said, like she's like, you know, she's in two different worlds here and her boyfriend's white and her father was like, uh, he was like, a, he's like an ex gangbanger. He's part of this King Lords gang at one yeah. time. So he's like all tatted up and everything. And like, he was in that life for a long time. And one of the, Dude, one of the funniest scenes in this for me was like when Chris had to meet her father night of the prom. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was just like, it was so yeah, awkward, was, but so funny at the same time. Yeah, it was funny. Um, and she's like stuck in this um, this world where, you know, she lives in this black ghetto neighborhood and she gets um, transported to this upper class white school. And I loved how the cinematography showed a shows this kind of like very bright pristine school yeah. and then when it's in the the neighborhood it's kind of dark and gritty and yeah you know i really loved how the director had that touch and yeah you know it just shows that she was in this predicament where it's like she can't be too black for the white kids and she can't be too white for the black kids right yeah 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 it's, it's this <laughs> there's they, they show like a riot scene in this and I, it shows like how this peaceful demonstration like turns into something that like looks like a war on the streets, on the war of the streets of America. We've seen this happen. And but but they also like nice touches here where like you saw where, you know, like the one guy started to spray paint on uh, the front of the business, like black owned, basically yeah. letting people like know like, hey, you know, please do not fuck with this. <laughs> please do not fuck with this place because, yeah. you know, it's. We saw that like back in like what was it like the do you remember 1991 1991 dude yeah with the fucking yeah, riots yeah. and I yeah I was yeah. in LA during that time and Jesus I, I remember all the liquor stores and businesses and everything in those neighborhoods having black owned yeah spray painted on them well, even the ones that weren't black owned yeah <laughs> like spray paint black owned on it a lot of the a lot of the I, I remember like watching that on the news and like seeing like uh, you know a lot of a lot of the store owners were Korean. And they were getting yeah. on top of their buildings with like they're getting on top of their businesses with guns and like threatening people yeah. like, you know, it's, yeah. uh, you know, people's livelihoods were destroyed that day, you know, mm-hmm. and it's this uh, Commons character in this. There's a very powerful scene between Star and Commons character. Common plays. Mm-hmm. He's a he's a black officer and she has a, like a very real conversation with him. And man, that like. Shit like that, like when when you hear it come out of Common's mouth and what he's talking about and how, like, this is the procedure as a police officer, and even him as a black officer, how differently he views different situations, whether it's like a a white suspect or a or a black suspect. Yeah, they really highlight how yeah. those shootings. It's not necessarily a black white thing. It's a cop black thing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and yeah. all the cops have that same mentality. Yeah regardless of what they are. I used to work a job where we used to, we, where we used to canvas different parts of a neighborhood and like go to door to door, door to door. And, and, uh, I worked with a black guy named Jimmy and, um, we'd all go to the same different neighborhoods and stuff like that. Jimmy would get the cops called on him all the time, all the time. And, um, I only got the cops called on me once and it was like a, a neighborhood that had like a neighborhood watch anyway. It was a gated, not, not a gated community, but like 
everybody in that, you know, you had to have like a permit to even be in that community to, to door knock. But, uh, that's the only time I ever got the cops, you know, called on me, you know, for being in a neighborhood, Jimmy would get the cops called on him all the time. I saw it happening and he, he did what star was doing in this, like, you know, video recording. Uh, yeah. what would happen. So um, I've seen it happen. I will never be able to understand this as far as like it, like on a personal level, because I, I, I but it, watching this movie, um, it helps me understand. I will never understand like, you know, what, what black, what black people go through when it comes to these things. But it, um, it, I think the movie did a really good job at kind of like showing you everything. Like you said, it packed in a little too much, like with like the gangs being involved. And I mean, yeah. it, they literally try to touch on everything. It, it's, it's, it's a little over two hours. So there is a lot here that they unpack throughout the movie. Anthony Mackie was menacing. <laughs> Holy shit. Wasn't he? I was like, that's fucking oh, Falcon, dude. <laughs> not my Falcon. <laughs> Hashtag not my Falcon. Oh my gosh! But yeah, I, uh, I, I'm personally going to give it a Tupperware because I was emotionally moved in this movie. Yeah, it's a Tupperware for me too. It's yeah. not a film. I, I'll be honest; it's not a film I I will probably see again. Yeah, it was very heavy. It was very heavy. I like, dude. Yeah. I, I fucking left the theater and I'm just like sitting in my car and I'm trying to play a podcast and listen to the podcast, and I can't even concentrate on the podcast because all I'm sitting there thinking about is like what happened in that movie. And I felt like, dude, you know, you ever feel like after like a, like if you've ever, I'm a crier. So like after, after a good cry, like I just feel like emotionally and like physically wiped. That's how I felt after this. I felt like I was just like emotionally and physically wiped after watching this movie. Yeah. Amanda uh, Stenberg, man, she's, she's a force. She's really, you're going to see her for a while. She's very, very, very good. Oh my God. She's fantastic in this movie. Um, just the way she like the thing with her is like and what's great about this movie is the way it sets up her friend Khalil Khalil we know things about him we know that he he deals drugs and and he he sells drugs in the neighborhood but we also know that like he's a sweet kid who has a good heart yeah and the movie does a great job of setting that up and, and, and basically like separating those two things. Yes, he's doing a bad thing, but Khalil's also a good kid with a good heart. And um, yeah, and they're showing you how people who don't know him are saying, well, yeah. you know, he's a drug dealer, yep. so he deserved to get what he got. Right. And, you know, but the, the viewer who's watching the movie is like they understand why he resorted to drug dealing. Yeah. And they also understand that he's a nonviolent kid as mm-hmm. well. Exactly. I mean, this kid, this kid's uh, grandmother is in the hospital. They have no way to pay for the bills. She got fired from her job because she had cancer. Um, Just a bad situation. And he gets pulled over by a police officer and uh, reaches in his car for his hairbrush and cops shoot him like this is in the trailer. I'm not spoiling anything, but the cops shoot him. Um, And um, it's what's awesome about this is it, it. is it shows you how what a great like just like what a great relationship he has with her and them reminiscing about like 
playing Harry, Her- Potter. Harry Potter in the backyard or whatever, or, or out in the neighborhood and stuff like that, just pretending that they're wizards and and um, laughing and having a good time and reconnecting after all these years that they hadn't really you know spent time together. And so we get to see that side of him. Like on TV, they're just going to tell you the drug dealer side, and and um, and here in this movie, they're just they're they're really. And even with her, like she, she just has like a, like when she's, when she smiles, you know, she can like her, her smile can just kind of like light up the room, but she can also, when she acts, when she starts to cry, like she sells me, like she's so good when it comes to like, you know, showing like, like what's, what's going through her mind on just, just by her facial expressions in this, she's a really powerful performance here. So yeah, I'm going to keep my eye on her. She's. She's fantastic in this movie, and this movie. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's not something like I'm gonna watch this one like every. Oh, I gotta watch that again because like it's <laughs> the it's, Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking heavy, man. So yeah. it's very fucking heavy. But yeah, yeah. But I, but you know, I want to clarify. Even though you know it's heavy, it's something that you will enjoy while you're watching because it does have that ability to just really put you through a, a various ranges of emotions. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, whew, yeah. All right, guys. Uh, we are going to take a break and then come back with the Pop Culture Leftovers news. Awesome. Back. It is now time for the pop culture leftovers news. Hear ye, hear ye, read all about it. It's a leftover news, and there's no doubt about it. This news is gangster as fuck, yo. It's gangster as fuck, yo. Real quick, did you guys see the news? LeBron James is in talk to produce Friday the Thirteenth reboot. I did. What is? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Bloody disgusting. Uh, is exclusively hearing that James and his Spring Hill Entertainment is currently in talks with Vertigo Entertainment to produce a reboot of Friday the 13th. Um, what? <laughs> I don't even. I don't even. I don't know what to think. What's going on? He's got money to burn, right? I mean, if I if I had LeBron James kind of money, there you'd be seeing all kinds of articles like this about me, you know. Well, I mean, he lives here in L.A. now, so you're going to see a lot of his shit popping. <laughs> yeah, I, that's the main reason for the move, right? I mean, that yeah. Space Jam, and yeah, he wants to. He definitely wants to dip into entertainment. He he's thinking of like past his basketball career, like what he's going to do. And yeah. uh, I do see a future for him in acting. He was really great in train wreck in my opinion i thought he was really good in that movie i think he does he's got something i love jordan jordan on the uh, watching michael jordan on the basketball court when i was a kid in the 90s was uh one of the most amazing things ever and jordan was special in the court and so is lebron lebron is very special in the court but i think lebron james as far as like (laughs) 
his personality and like what he's able to bring to movies as far as like his humor, his timing, just his personality yeah. in general. And Jordan did 2000 commercials and that did not teach him how to act. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like, you know, I'll buy Hanes because they're, you know, they feel good, but I'm not going to buy Hanes just because Michael Jordan's rocking Hanes. I'm not yeah. eating ballpark Franks just because Jordan told me to. Um, no, but I don't know. There's so, I don't know. This is just a, a weird pairing though. Do you think LeBron James would actually play? Jason, he's got like he's a he's no. A, I, I don't think that would be the case, right? He's a big yeah, I think dude. I think he's just putting the pieces in place. Okay, putting in the yeah. okay. He's a fan. He wants to do a horror film. He yeah. He is a huge horror fan. So I don't know. It's it's it's. Crazy. He's not one of those egotistical creators who just wants to put himself in everything too. I, I don't think so as well. I think he just wants to own. You know, I don't think he's necessarily trying to get glory or anything from it. I just want to see Jason Windmill jam a basketball. <laughs> That's all I want to see, man. I, I want to see I want to see I want to see fucking Jason like windmill like Dominique Wilkins a basketball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can settle their differences in the Camp Crystal Lake basketball tournament. <laughs> man, I remember watching LeBron James. I remember watching ESPN. ESPN used to fucking play his high school games, man. Yeah. That was insane. Oh, and That was the first time I saw him. Yeah, he was like 17 or something. Seven, well, the first time I saw him was in Slam Magazine when he was 16 years old. And they were talking about this kid being the next big thing. And then, then they, then the next year he's on ESPN. There's, he still had the tattoos, and he had to cover them up with bandages. They wouldn't let him play as a teenager with like the tattoos and stuff like that. So he had to like bandage up the. He had to put like tape and shit all over his tattoos to cover them up on uh, live television. Huh. Yeah, yeah. He has a show on HBO called The Shop that I highly recommend. It's it's really fun. What's it called? It's based The Shop. Okay. And it's basically just him, and and they're inside a, a barber shop getting their haircut, and they're just talking shit. Oh, you know, definitely shooting the shit. It. I because I love <laughs> some of my favorite movies are the barbershop films. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love the barbershop films. I watched uh, actually the first two I didn't get to see in theaters, but I saw the third one in the theater. I love Ice Cube and the barbershop films. I think they're great. Yeah, the first one. I liked. I love all three of them. I'm a, I'm <laughs> Wait, what, there was a third one? Yeah, Barbershop it 3. It was like brand new. Yeah, Barbershop uh, 3 came out. I actually reviewed it on the show years ago. Oh, uh, okay. So, uh, well, I liked it because they had like a lot of Chicago figures come in there. Because like Derek Rose, Jalen Rose, they were both in it. And then Norm Van Leer, was, I think, was in the first one. Uh, he was a Chicago Bulls player back in the day. And he was a commentator for the Chicago yeah. Bulls. I met Norm. Back in 2002, Norm Van Leer was one of the nicest guys I've ever met in my entire life. When I met Norm in Chicago, I went to Chicago Bulls luncheon, and Norm, getting ready to talk to him, he was on the phone. He's on his cell phone back then, and he's on his cell phone, and he gets off the phone, and he goes, um, he goes, woohoo! And I'm like, what's going on? Why are you so excited? He's like, I just got Rolling Stones tickets. He was so happy. He was so happy. His his buddy landed him Rolling Stones tickets. Um, Norm Van Leer passed away the same day that Johnny Redker passed away, who was also another 
he was the first Bulls coach, and he was a Bulls uh, commentator. And they they passed away on the on the same day. Wow! And that was a that's t- wild. It was a rough day for Bulls fans. I met both of them. I met Johnny Red Kerr the same day that I met Norm Van Leer at that luncheon, and Johnny was just a just a beautiful human being. I love Johnny and I love Norm. So now I'm talking about bullshit. Nobody gives a fuck. Anyway, um, yeah, LeBron James wanting to produce a uh, Friday the 13th reboot. Fucking crazy. Uh, exclusive news here from Deadline. Star Trek Lower Decks animated series from Rick and Morty, executive producer and secret hideout ordered by CBS All Access. So basically, um, let's see here. The expansion of CBS All Access Star Trek universe continues with a two season order to Star Trek Lower Decks, a half hour adult animated comedy series from Rick and Morty head writer and executive producer Mike McMahon, a longtime Star Trek fan. Star Trek Lower Decks will focus on the support crew serving on one of Starfleet's least important ships. Mark CBS All Access's first original animated series and the first project to be produced by CBS Eye Animation Productions. Um, so... In 2011, McMahon started a Twitter account where he posted episode plots to a fake season of Star Trek The Next Generation. They were such a hit that Simon & Schuster hired him to write a reader's guide to a fictitious eighth season of The Next Generation titled, uh, titled Star Trek The Next Generation Warped, an engaging guide to the never aired eighth season. And so, uh, yeah, this is a Rick and Morty writer that's going to be doing a Star Trek adult animated series. This is going to be the first animated series since like the 1970s series that mm. came out. So um, the oh, show with the original cast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The show has just been ordered. There's no release date. But uh, what are your thoughts on this, Jake? Uh, I mean, I think it's super cool. It's nice to see that Star Trek kind of has the balls to do with their creative properties what I wish Star Wars would do and, you know, take chances and do things kind of outside the tonal box that they've always done. So I think this is smart for Star Trek. Um, If you want, you know, your franchise to have longevity, you got to make these like bold choices like this. And I, I, you know, the creators are great. I think they're perfect for this kind of thing. I think this could be a smash hit and could bring more eyes to Star Trek that weren't there before. I mean, I think you're going to get people watching this that aren't just Trekkies and you could easily create new Trekkies from this. So hopefully they've got some good follow-up material coming too. All I keep seeing here is like basically like a Star Trek show, a Star Trek show that's kind of like C-Lab 2021 on Adult Swim, just with Star Trek characters and fringe, like on this weird ship that we've never heard of with just like weird background characters talking about you know, just gossiping about Kirk and Spock and and all that shit, you know, just and maybe Tribbles showing up in the show. And I don't know. I, I, th- I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, yeah, I, I, I do, too. I kind of love it. Like conceptually, I, I Tupperware it, you know, yeah. I want to wait and see if it, they actually pull it out. But yeah. like the recipe for a really great show is definitely there. Tristan, are you a Star Trek fan? Is this something? I'm not a would... huge Star Trek fan. Yeah. And don't ban me, Rebecca. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's, one thing that Star Trek always does well is that they do cater to their fans. You know, they give them what they want, and they're not trying to appeal to the mass audience so much. You know, and that's something that Star Wars does a little too much. I think they, 
they veer away from satisfying the hardcores and trying to go for the masses, you know, and that works on a, on a business scale, but, um, you know, I think it's a good move for them. You know, it's, it's definitely in line with what we've seen before. You know, Star Trek is, is satisfying the Trekkies. Yeah. Star Wars, like, like as far as we've seen, um, like fan made stuff, like there was like, did you ever watch any of that? I can't remember the name of it, but the Star Wars fan made show where it's stormtroopers that are janitors. No, I never saw that one. Oh, I, I, I do remember that. I do remember that. And there was the famous the famous cops one, too. Yeah, the cops. Troops. One. Troops. <laughs> yeah, the, the janitor one is like you'd see like a like a stormtrooper battle with Jedi or whatever like that. Like it, you knew it was going on and they were like the janitors are upset that they'd have to mop up, you know, all the, you know, <laughs> the aftermath of that battle and shit like that. It was pretty funny. But, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. I think this could be really fucking good. So Rick and Morty writer can't go wrong there. No. Netflix news from Entertainment Weekly: Guillermo del Toro to direct new uh, stop motion Pinocchio for Netflix. So yeah, yeah. This is this has been a passion project for a long time, right? The yeah. Pinocchio thing. It's, okay, what's going on with the? Did they totally delay or like stop the Robert Downey Jr. Pinocchio? Oh, that was yeah. What happened to that? He was gonna, yeah. yeah, I feel like something must have gone askew there, right? Yeah, Downey, Robert Downey Jr. is going to be playing Geppetto in a live was that action. Disney? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was Disney. Like, Pino- hmm. Pinocchio is like, uh, that's um, um, public domain. Public domain. Yeah, it's public domain, so anybody could do it. But I thought it was Disney doing that one. But yeah, Guillermo del Toro is going to do a stop-motion Pinocchio for Netflix. And it's, uh, let's see here, uh, Netflix announced Monday that it's teaming up with Del Toro, stop motion musical version of Pinocchio, that it's uh, the director's lifelong passion project, although Disney famously created an animated version of Pinocchio in 1940, uh, the fairy tale was first written by Italian author Carlo Collodi in 1883, Del Toro's version in particular would draw heavily from illustrator Grice Grimley's 2002 edition, but will still pay homage to the story's Italian origins. Uh, this Pinocchio will be set in the 1930s Italy under the reign of fascist dictator Benito Mussolini. Uh, one of Del Toro's previous films, Pan's Labyrinth, also juxtaposed a fairy tale story against the historically reality of European fascism. So um, what uh, he's going for here apparently is a PG-13, more adolescent, more teenage. He says, I hesitate to say just darker because it's not just darker. It is a tale that is adapted to a way uh, to a more complex reality, more complex ethical questions. It's more a tale for youth than a tale for just kids. So it's going to be more PG-13. It's not going to be, like, R-rated. but um, It's a good pairing, though. I mean, I, I used to watch, um, you know, the Disney Pinocchio, the 1940 version, and then I had an interest in reading the Carlos Collodi book when I was, like, I don't know, like, fourth grade or something like that. And that book was pretty dark. <laughs> it, was, it was. I remember the illustrations. It was a, it was a very dark kid's book, and... It's something that I think would suit Guillermo very well. Yeah. Yeah. And this would be a Netflix project for him. Stop motion, too. 
That sounds like it'd be really cool. And I mean, stop motion movie about, you know, a puppet becoming a real person. You could really easily see why that's a passion project of his, right? Like, yeah, it's, it's going to have his look just all over it. I, I, I'm excited to see this. Yeah. I would just yeah. love to hear that Leica would be involved in this. That would be great. If, if they got Leica studios to, to work with Del Toro, Leica who did Coraline, they did uh, Paranorman, they did Kubo and the two strings. Now, is it going to be all stop motion? It's not, it's not going to be just Pinocchio, the puppet. Like, that's where I was confused. I thought the whole movie was going to be stop motion. Yeah, okay. That's interesting. So, mm. yeah, that, that's, a, that's a bold choice. I mean, yeah, I, I love a lot of the old stop motion movies. You know, Nightmare Before Christmas and James mm. and the Giant Peach. And like you said, you know, all the newer stuff like Cubo, Cubo. and Coraline. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a great pairing too, Tristan. I think it's a fantastic pairing. Like... You know, we all kind of like wondered, like, what's Del Toro going to do after, you know, The Shape of Water? And it looks like he's going to be doing a Netflix film here. I feel like he had his choice of doing whatever he wanted to do. Like this guy who was kind of like in Hollywood's doghouse for a while. Like he wanted to start so many different projects. Like remember, like he was wanting to do like a, a an Incredible Hulk TV show at one time. He was he had he wanted to do this. What else? I mean, he was wanting to do uh, Justice League Dark. All these different right. things like that never got off the ground, and it finally Shape of Water is like best picture, and so like he's got his like pick at like what he wants to do, and it's pretty cool that they're moving forward with this. I can't wait to see it. It's going to be on Netflix. Netflix again, more more original content here. It's fucking crazy, yeah. insane. Let's talk about this uh, news from Deadline. Disney talking Pirates of the Caribbean reboot with Deadpool scribes Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick. What the fuck? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I thought we were done with the pirate films. Well, hold on. Here's my big question here. Like, I love Rhett Reese and I love Paul Wernick. I think the Deadpool, those Deadpool guys are great. They did Zombieland. They wrote that movie. I thought that movie was great. Pirates of the Caribbean, six movies, I believe, that came out five or six and yeah i lost track but it's six I think. it's six yeah um yeah. uh, even the the fifth one was not great but it was still profitable and the last one was not that profitable it just just i think it was the least performing out of all of the pirates movies they've they've made a shit fuck ton of money um and so disney wants to reboot it now and get these guys involved which I think, first off, I find that interesting, Jake, because Disney's working with Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, who worked with Deadpool. Do you think that if this project goes well, that these guys will definitely be invited back to do a Deadpool movie? That, that sounds like a good sign to me. Yeah, it does. I mean, you're definitely starting a working relationship with these guys. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, mm -hmm. that's an interesting thought. Yeah. I just As far as Pirates is concerned, though, it just feels like it's too soon, right? It's not like one of these scenarios like where Sony has to quickly make another Spider-Man movie before they lose the lose franchise rights. rights. Yeah. Like it's Disney and they own pirates. Yeah. And I feel like they would stand to make a lot more money if they would let this sleep for five to ten years before and trying to like immediately go back to, to it. Put something out too. You know, they're not desperate. So like why are they resorting to this? Yeah, it seems like I don't understand why there's such a ticking time bomb to uh reinvent the pirates franchise i guess that's what i'm i'm really confused my about. only guess is that they're not gonna have i would guess like 
that they're not going to have Jack Sparrow come back. <laughs> Are yeah, they you gonna... think this has to do with the whole Johnny Depp thing going on right now? I think that they're going to have a female lead in this one. I, I, personally, I would think that that's going to be like the big thing that they're going to have here is like the female lead taking over like that Orlando Bloom role from like the original. They'll have a female lead here. But I guess the big question is like, are they going to have somebody else playing Jack Sparrow? Yeah, or just completely change the whole idea of that character in the first place. Yeah, he's someone that's just irreplaceable. So I guess, you know, you have to go with just an entirely new different character. Yeah, that's that's what I imagine too. Huh. Is he irreplaceable? Could somebody else play a different kind of Jack Sparrow? Because like, is you know, and this this isn't the best comparison, but we're getting a new Hellboy, and that's happening fairly soon, I guess. Yeah, but that Jack Sparrow is just so, um, I guess, tied to the character that Johnny Depp created, and I don't think you can recreate that character without just being a cheap imitation or being something that's completely unrecognizable i would ca- like if you're gonna have another if you're gonna have another jack sparrow like my my go-to would be jake gyllenhaal after watching his yeah. performance in okja i think okja and uh even yeah i would say okja i don't know if that's like the best comparison i would just say like jake gyllenhaal i think would be able to 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 channel a jack sparrow that i think people would enjoy I would think they would probably just create an entirely new cast, new yeah, characters. I think you're right. And maybe maybe throw Jack Sparrow, Johnny Depp in there, like if it takes off, you know, but I think the first film probably will leave him out. And once all the, you know, the controversy dies down, Fantastic Beasts and all that stuff comes out and he's exonerated or whatever, I think they're going to incorporate him later. Yeah, but it's a reboot. Yeah, that makes sense. It's a yeah, re- it's a reboot. So I think he's just done. Oh, like a reboot, like none of that stuff ever happened. Yeah, this is a complete yeah. reboot of the uh-huh. of the Pirates franchise. And that's where I'm coming from is like you think they'd have a little bit of breathing space in between the two universes. It seems like so silly to jump headfirst into this again. Well, you have to have time to miss it. And yeah, there was a movie last year, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, Pir- yeah, exactly. Pirate six, uh, the movie no one watched. Yeah. I haven't talked yeah, I to barely any... forgot. I barely remembered it existed. I so watched... it's like if no one shows up for Pirates with Johnny Depp, like who's going to show up with for Pirates with anyone else? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I think that's a little bit of the problem with the franchise in the first place, though, right? Like a, the franchise should be driven by the story and what's going to happen next and not just solely based on the star power of one actor and one character, right? That's where the whole thing went astray in the first place. I wonder if yeah. people are thinking like, I wonder if like with the, with the announcement of Rhett Reese and Paul Wernick, if people are automatically thinking like, Oh, we're going to get a pirates movie and Jack Sparrow is going to be played by Ryan Reynolds. Ryan Reynolds. Yeah. yeah that seems goofy. I, I, I really agree with Tristan. I, I think if we're rebooting this thing, we're not even having Jack Sparrow as part of the movie anymore. We're totally I mean, because you could do because it was basically just fucking like based on a ride at Disney World. <laughs> I mean, you could you could literally do anything you wanted to with the story. It, you, all exactly. You, got, you just got to introduce like new pirates and like new like pirate shenanigans. Yeah, it's like if you rebooted Haunted Mansion, you don't need to replace Eddie Murphy. You know, it's, right. it's just whatever. Exactly. Yeah, they're just going to get some other, you know, big name charismatic actor to take over if they do this, you know, The Rock or some shit. Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> I agree with Brian. With you get that you gender swap it. If yeah, you're gonna do it. Yeah, 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 gender swap it. So, 
Um, news from Deadline. A Clueless. Talk about reboots. Clueless feature remake is in the works at Paramount with Girls Trip writers Tracy Oliver producing and Glow writer Marquita Robinson penning the script. Uh, the original 1995 film directed and written by Amy Heckerling is a cult Gen X classic loosely based on Jane Austen's Emma and provides a satirical window into the Beverly Hills high school scene of the day. The movie put a number of young actors and actresses on the map who flourished in the wake of the pick's release, including Alicia Silverstone, Paul Rudd, Brecken Meyer, Jeremy Sisto, Stacey Dash, and the late Brittany Murphy. In the movie, Silverstone played superficial but well-intentioned teen Cher Horowitz, who is trying to find love while living life with her curmudgeon litigator father, played by Don Hedaya. Uh, um, so yeah, it looks like Paramount is wanting to make a remake, probably in our time period, of... Um, clueless and i absolutely think that this is terrible i am encouraged by the writer involved in the writers involved you know i've never i haven't seen girls trip yet i heard it's great but i do love glow i think that the yeah. the, the two the two women that they have here writing this are fantastic i just think that I, I don't see how you're going to recapture the magic just updating it in a with oh now we're in a world full of Instagrams and Tumblers and tweets you know I don't how this movie was just so like it's like a '90s fucking capsule and it's <laughs> it's so good it's so '90s it's a look at '90s Beverly Hills. And it's fun. It's funny. It still holds up, in my opinion. I don't know if kids today think it holds up, but for me, it still holds up as a as a fun high school movie in the nineties. And I, yeah. I, I I don't know. It's like a, a, a fucking reboot of of this. Is is Paramount hurting that badly that they've got to go here now? Yeah, I can see why they're doing it. You know, I mean, it's. It's a recognizable brand. They're going to do something that millennials are going to relate to, and their parents are going to go because they recognize the brand. So, you know, it might be terrible, but I can see why they're not just making a current film that has that's named something else. You know, they're going with the familiarity so that the people that it's not intended for are going to show up. What are you doing though? What are you doing? Are you casting unknowns like they did back then? Think about this. Like nobody. You have to. Alicia just recreate. Uh, what were their names? I can't remember. Uh, uh, I can't even remember their names. But you can't just recast the characters. You have to just create totally new ones. Totally. Share. Yeah, yeah. Share and. Yeah. Oh, who are we going to have now? We're going to have Beyonce. I mean, <laughs> well, well, Beyonce is way too old. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, I don't understand. Well, like, it, I agree that it's kind of a dumb idea for a remake. You could easily make this exact plot of a movie without like aping off of the original title. You don't right? have to call it Clueless, right? Yeah, exactly. But I think that's just them being lazy. You know, they know that Clueless is. I mean, we're already talking about this movie it hasn't been made yet, just because it's being called Clueless. Yeah. You know, so I think that's where they're going with it is just the fact that it's a remake, and so even whether it turns out terrible or not guys like us people in their late 30s 40s whatever are going to have some level of interest you know whether it's little or high my interest is going to be watching the trailer and saying why the fuck are they doing this 
Yeah. <laughs> right, but but you're going to watch a clueless trailer to see if it's good or not. I will. As opposed as opposed to some just regular teen drama, you know, that's coming yeah. out or teen comedy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the clue, but, the clue is that it that that's what makes it a story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's probably going to be terrible. Yes, <laughs> and you know they can't have the the as if catchphrase or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Everything's changed. It's all changed, and then yeah, I mean the social media is like a big thing. So like. That's we're going to we're probably going to have like our new share. And she's like, you know, talking about how many followers she has. And we got to sit there and we got to watch her like snap selfies of herself and use fucking filters with the, like the little fucking big eyes and the dog ears and all that bullshit. Right. And they're going to have to do a makeover for the Brittany Murphy character and get her more followers and yeah. all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we're going to we're going to spice up your Instagram. Uh, <laughs> oh, we made her a huge Instagram star. Yeah, so <laughs> just show your ass. Ah, fuck me. Um, news from bloody disgusting sci-fi to make killer clowns from outer space and critters films. Oh no, I don't know. I don't know. Bloody disgusting is hearing exclusively that sci-fi is in talks to license the rights to make new feature films based on uh, the killer clowns from outer space and critters. Um, Critters has seen multiple sequels. Fans have been uh, clamoring for a killer clown's follow-up for decades. Uh, In the film, aliens who look like clowns come from outer space and terrorize a small town. Um, Killer Clowns from Outer Space is one of my favorite movies from when I was a child. I still, it's a nostalgia factor for me as an adult. I own it. I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. Uh, Critters is another movie that I absolutely loved as a child. I loved um, the first, I'll be honest with you, I love the first three Critters films. My babysitter as a child introduced me to the Critters movie. And uh, Tim Curry in that first movie, absolutely loved. Um, and then even Critters 3, which I think was Leonardo DiCaprio's first film, if I yeah, remember that's correct. correctly. This is oh, wow. post-Growing Pains. So I, I'm a huge fan of Critters, and I'm an even bigger fan of killer clowns from outer space i love what sci-fi has done with shows like channel zero as far as like the reception of the what people are saying about channel zero i haven't watched it but i love what the reception that people are giving channel zero i love the direction that they're taking there i love the direction that they've taken with uh happy happy was a great show um with um oh what's his name maloney chris maloney i thought that that was great Sci-fi has done some really good stuff, but they've also done some really fucking terrible stuff. I love Sharknado. I don't want them to turn this into a Sharknado, though. I want Sharknado to be kind of like its own thing. I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about this because <sighs> Jake, what do you think? I, I, I want to get your thoughts. You've seen Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I'm sure you've seen the Critters films. Oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, I guess I'm a little bit more lukewarm than you are about the whole thing. Like, I think it could be fine. I think sci-fi channel is the perfect channel for these kind of things. I think, I mean, they can almost like look exactly like the old ones did as far as effects wise and everything, you know, you just do some cheapo practical effects and these things can look pretty similar. I think this could, if, if this is paired with a good writer and director that, you know, at least holds the originals in some kind of, you know, 
high place. I, I think this could be okay. This Why, could be fun. Well, sure. Why isn't Shutter doing this? Yeah. It, was that what you would rather see? Do you want to see Killer Clowns done more as the gruesome horror movie than another campy tongue-in-cheek version? It doesn't have to be. Uh, it doesn't have to be gruesome horror on Shutter. It doesn't yeah, have to. That's, that's true. I mean, just give us a different, you know, t- type of horror thing. It doesn't necessarily have shutter is owned it's a streaming service it's a horror streaming service that's owned by amc just in case people didn't know but like why i mean it just seems more fitting there aren't they doing the child's play tv series on shutter or is that chiller i don't know whatever i don't know i i mean sci-fi might have sought this out even themselves right i i still think these are recognizable um campy well, you why, know why the fuck did they turn movie why names? the fuck did they turn on the tremors tv show then yeah, that I don't know because it would it cost more money. I have no idea. They they bought the pilot. They got Kevin Bacon on board. I mean, why the they, why the I don't know. It's just it seems weird to me that they passed on the Tremors TV show, but they're going to do Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Critters. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's probably probably cost less to make both those combined than it did to do the Tremors show potentially. I mean, that show looked like it had a budget. Uh, I don't- yeah, I don't know. It's, I, yeah, yeah. It did look like it had a budget. It's killer clowns from outer space. You could probably do that on the cheap if you wanted to make it look like the original. Yeah, right. I mean, how much money I are get you it. really going to yeah. spend to make a loyal killer clowns from outer space reboot? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, you're probably spending less than you had to pay Kevin Bacon just to do his part. Uh, Tremors. His career's not. I mean, I think he's taking what he can get at this point. Yeah, that, that's potentially true. Yeah, I mean, you know, his Amazon show got canceled. I Love Dick, that got canceled. I don't know. I just don't see Kevin Bacon in a lot of stuff these days. I think that's like kind of one of the main reasons he went back to do Tremors. Yeah, solid point. I don't know. I, did, hey, Tristan, did you ever watch Killer Clowns from Outer Space or Critters? I don't know. I watched Killer Clowns. It was terrifying when I was a kid, yeah. so... It's not one of those films that I revisit as an adult. Oh, I do. Um, every, I probably need to watch it, though. Every fucking year I watch Killer Clowns <laughs> from Outer Space. It's one of those rare, like, uh, not rare, but, like, back in the 80s, they used to do this a lot, where, like, they came out with a movie, and then yeah. the, they had a song on the soundtrack that actually referenced the title of the movie. <laughs> 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 they had a Killer Clowns from Outer Space song. <laughs> Yeah. And they play the, the old end. Ghostbusters recipe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, I don't know. I, I want to see. I guess I want. I'll watch them. I'll watch them. But I want them to be great. I want them to feel like the originals. Because I know it sounds silly, but I do. I love Killer Clowns from Outer Space. I actually like did like you know uh, the League of Geeks do their Thirty One Days of Horror, and I think it was last year or the year before. I actually was on that episode where they reviewed Killer Clowns from Outer Space because I love that movie so fucking much. I love yeah, that's, that, movie. that. That movie actually legit scared me as a kid. That's how silly that is. Yeah, it was these clowns from outer space, and they would come down and they would. They would uh, like eat humans. They put them in cotton candy cocoons. <laughs> yeah, it was the part where they. What really <laughs> fucked me up as a kid was the sticking the straws into the cotton candy cocoons, and, and the, the fact the that blood. the stuff coming out was like really dark red. They would use shadow puppets, and the shadow puppets could actually the shadows could actually eat you and kill you. Yeah, uh, uh, that that shit was creepy. You had. I'm to surprised sh- there's not more merch for killer clowns. You had to shoot them in the nose. 
the blood to kill them. And once you shot them in the nose, they would explode. That, that was their weak spot when you shot them in their red nose or whatever color yeah. the nose was. <laughs> the original Red Nose Day special right there. Yeah. And the, but what would happen is like confetti would pop out of that nose at first. <laughs> and then, story. And then critters were just like these evil little aliens, tiny little aliens that look like they would roll up like hedgehogs and like like little roly polies, but they had like piranha teeth and they would eat you. And like, I think, it, I don't know if it was, did they do it in all of the films or was it the third one before? Like, I think it was the third one where all the critters formed like a giant critter ball that would roll around. Yeah, <laughs> and that was the third one. That was the third one. And you saw like this giant critter ball. It looked like the, it looked like the boulder that was, that was coming after Indiana Jones you know, in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, you know, it looked like, but it was, it was made up of tiny little hedgehog piranhas that were after you. And you saw like, as it was moving, you saw their mouths moving and they would, they would roll over people and you could hear them chomping down on people. You would hear their bones breaking. (laughs) I, I loved Critters. I thought Critters was so much fun when I was a kid. You know, another shitty, cheesy 80s horror movie I really liked as a kid was Ghoulies. Ghoulies, the toilet monsters. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man, I loved it. That was one where, as a kid, I rented just based on the art on the on the box alone. Yeah. Did you ever watch Puppet Master movies? Oh, yeah, dude, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. I haven't seen the newest one, The Littlest Reich. But I, uh, yeah, but I've, I've actually heard good things. I've heard good and bad things, but I, I want to see it anyway. I love the Puppet Master movies. Fuck, they made like seven or eight of them. I was actually reading the Action Lab Comics Puppet Master comics that came out a few years ago, and those were fucking great. So Yeah, that's, that's a great source material for comics. You can do a lot of cool stuff with that. Did you ever watch The Gate with Steven Dorff as a little boy? Oh, the I, I've talked about the gate on the podcast before. That movie really fucked me up as a kid. It was the scene where he stabs the guy's eye out with yeah. the Barbie leg. Oh my god, I love the gate, dude. The yeah, gate the gate so two good. was really fucking gruesome too. Yeah, the gate two. Oh my god, I love the gate movies. Go back if you yeah, have those. Lot, those yeah. are good. Yeah. Uh, Hollywood Reporter. Uh, legendary producing live action My Hero Academia movie. So yeah, that yeah, that's really exciting. Um, it's it's an American movie. It's legendary, so I would uh, imagine. Yeah, not going to be like that Attack on Titan crap. I I don't know, dude. <laughs> um, it's legendary, so it's not it's not a. It's not like an Asian studio doing this, so. Okay, yeah, that that could be good. I, I think that could be a huge hit. There's definitely a lot of material there. So one of those things, though, it's like maybe they're doing that a little too quick, right? Maybe they should uh, let the uh, manga and the animated series speak for itself for another few years. I don't know. I'm not excited about this. I yeah. lo- no, I like. I watched the first season. I loved the first season. I thought it was fantastic. I just. I don't know if it's going to be legendary doing it. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with legendary. I just have a problem with like American studios doing these manga to live action adaptations. They're not good and they whitewash and they're garbage. So, yeah, I mean, every now and again, we get an okay one. Like, right. I would say like, um, edge of tomorrow is an example of sometimes that we can get a good movie out of this concept. 
Yeah, I, I've never read the original manga, so I, that's why that didn't jump directly to my brain. But yeah, that's true. I think it works better when you do something like that, where it's a little bit of a lesser known property. Then I would argue that My Hero is like one of the top five known animes out there right now. Yeah. So I think it's a little bit wiser to try to do these lesser known things that aren't going to fucking piss off as many people as well as it should piss off people with some of the, you know, whitewashing casting they do. But I think it's a lot easier to uh, insert a Tom Cruise when the whole world's not familiar with the source material. Yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just like uh, news like this and then like news of like, uh, you know, like an American studio doing the raid movie. That was a thing that was happening at one time. I don't know if it's still in development or not, but like, yeah, just watch the fucking Indonesian Gareth Evans movies like, yeah, read subtitles, get over it or like they do have like um, they do have dub versions of it. I don't know. Jake, I, I mean, I love My Hero Academia and Legendary doing it, and this is whatever. I mean, I don't know. I'm just, I'm very hesitant to say, yeah, I can't wait for this. I just feel like more times than not, we get, like, Scarlett Johansson in Ghost in the Shell. Yeah, yeah, I agree. There's a good chance this could be a giant pile of crap. Yeah. Did you watch uh, My Hero Academia, Tristan? I did not. Just check it out, man. Yeah, yeah. I think you would like it, dude. Yeah, yeah. It's really good. It, it's got it's it's really deep and really fun and just. I mean, if you're into like superhero stuff in general, there's a really a lot of unique power sets that you've never even thought of before. Where do I find it? Um, I, I gosh, I don't even know if it's on Hulu or anything. I watched it all on uh, Funimation. Oh, okay, I'll check it out. Uh, I think, yeah, what is it? Uh, we're getting a Dark Crystal Netflix series. What's this? We're getting a, it was announced we're getting a sequel to Labyrinth. Yeah, yeah, I read that they just finished the screenplay to that. Yeah, they, uh, they finished the script here. Uh, Fetty Alvarez is working on this. Yeah, I don't know how I feel about that. Um, that movie is so much David Bowie, right? Eh, sheesh. Like, I don't know what you do there. It's it's almost back to the same conversation we were having with Pirates, but even more so, Labyrinth feels so connected to the presence of Bowie as, like, the Goblin King. And mm. um, I don't even know who you'd replace him with, you know? Yeah. That is weird. So, or would you write him out of the story? Would it just be a whole new thing? Would it just be the labyrinth, but a new villain? You know, are you doing the uh, singer songwriter slash actor thing again? I mean, I, I don't know. I, it seems like they got you know they struck gold when they did this the first time. Um, Jim Henson behind the helm really helped too. You know, Frank Oz in his prime. I just don't see this getting the uh, tender loving care that the original got and it being a little bit of a cash grab and potentially very stupid. Yeah, when I think of that movie, I only see Bowie. (laughs) Yeah, he's definitely a huge part of it. Fetty Alvarez, he was the director for the Don't Breathe movie, the um, Stephen Lang film, the horror film thriller that everybody loved that came out a few years, a couple years ago. But he was actually he was having lunch with Lisa Henson and they were talking about it. So I'm sure that if Fetty Alvarez is a fan of the original, he's got a 
vision for like what he wants to do here. But yeah, you bring up a great point with David Bowie not being with us anymore. I can't see anybody else playing Jareth. I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want to see anybody else playing Jareth, the Goblin King. And I, and I, I don't know. I, I don't think we need this. Yeah, the closest thing I could think of is potentially Lady Gaga, but this seems way beneath mm. her. Mm-hmm. Uh, great news here about the Apple streaming service uh, from the information. Um, unlike Netflix or Amazon, Apple's upcoming stream- streaming service will become available outside the United States mere weeks after its launch. Uh, the company is reportedly planning to give its planned TV subscription service a global rollout akin to its high-profile gadgets like the iPhone. The service will reportedly be available in more than 100 countries shortly after its U.S. launch in 2019. And the company's original programs are expected to be offered free to Apple device owners via the TV app, and viewers will also be able to sign up for TV network subscriptions through the app. The Apple TV device, blah 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 blah. Yeah, free? Really? Yeah, yeah. I read this too. I, I was like, oh, all right, that's cool. I'm in. So I don't, I don't blame them. I mean, it's a way to reward all. You know, it's become very much, you know, uh, um, Android or iPhone type of world. So it's, it's a way to reward their loyal customers and to keep their loyal customers. You know, I think you hear a lot of people getting frustrated with some of Apple's pro- practices in the last couple years and making the switch from iPhone to Android. And maybe an announcement like this will encourage a few people to stay with the product. I'm not upset. I'm just shocked. Oh, no, I, I know you're not upset. I, I don't know. This Apple does these kind of like grandstanding things all the time, right? This is, to me, a grander scale of forcing the U2 album onto every iPhone, right? Like they're, they always like seem to really want to push their pro, you know, product. For yeah, free didn't they give first. you Apple Music for free at first or something? Yeah, like that? it was um, for the first three months when they launched Apple Music were completely free, and this seems to be of the norm of a- Apple practices. Honestly, I I expected that in some way or another they were going to provide their streaming services for free for at least a little while to Apple consumers. They can afford to do it, you know, get you hooked. Well, yeah, yeah. I- I thought we'd be spending seven ninety nine a month. Personally, I never thought it was going. I never thought in a million years that they're going to give us anything for free. I didn't like you know. But apparently, they're going the Facebook Watch route, where you can watch this stuff for free. So when Facebook is stealing all your data, but they're also giving you great entertainment. So, um, but yeah, it's. Uh, I'm excited, and 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 there's you know it's all going to be family friendly stuff apparently. But uh, oh, uh, uh, Steve Carell is joining that uh, Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon uh, morning show drama series, which is cool. Yeah, that is cool. The family friendly thing is such a weird fine line. I, I think I've said it before, but it reminds me of like Walmart editing their music, but yeah, you can still buy the R-rated movies. It's yeah. like. Apple's going to do all this family-friendly, you know, material. But meanwhile, I can click one button and buy every R-rated movie I can think of. Yeah, on the on the same platform. It doesn't make sense. It's weird. So it's like get over yourself, you know. But yeah, I'm so, excited. Uh, we'll see. It'll be free. You'll be able to if you got an iPad or an iPhone or a fucking you know Apple TV. Apple TV. You can just watch it for free on that. So yeah. Um, that is all I have for news this week. 
So we are going to take a quick break and then jump into Marvel news. Let's do it. Holly Quinn, pleased to meet ya. You're listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. So head over to popcultureleftovers.com and click on comic books where they have a comic book locator. There you can find the nearest comic book shop in your area. You can also see what new comic books are on shelves right now. If you don't have a shop near you, just click on the link for Things from Another World on the front page of the site. At tfaw.com, you can set up a poll list to have your comic books shipped to you monthly. They also sell figures, statues, and a ton of other really cool shit. But you gotta click the link through the site to help the show. That's popcultureleftovers.com. You got that, Puddin'? I swear I feel like I have to tell you guys everything. It's a wonder you can wipe your own asses. Anyway, I gotta go. I think I hear Mr. J. Alright, hey, we are back. This episode sucks, right? Uh, yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm right. A little there. bit. A little bit. This is <laughs> this is this is like like Thanksgiving dinner when you when you you go over to like the the relatives and they serve you that dry ass turkey. <laughs> this is a dry mm. episode. Yeah, it's. I don't know if it's that bad. It's, dr- it's not dry. It's not dry turkey bad. It's just not like a major marquee movie that's opening this week. Yeah. Um, I don't know. It might be. Now I'm starting to think it's worse than dry turkey bad because at least I could just dump a shit ton of gravy on dry turkey. Well, I got nothing here. Do you think? Do you think that uh, when turkeys fuck each other, do you think they have that problem? Do you think like it's hard for the female turkey to get wet? No, I think that has to do with it being dead and cooked. Is why that issue arises. So you, you, you think you think the uh, the turkey clit gets? Uh, you think the, the, the turkey? You think the turkey vagina is? Just, <sighs> wow! You think? Do you think it? Uh, you, 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 I think you're making shift and uncomfortable. <laughs> I'm just imagining my girlfriend listening to this and cringing. Uh, <laughs> Don't let her listen. Hey, do you think what? Uh, <laughs> just, Your just, girlfriend's not making it three hours into this show. <laughs> yeah, she's not listening. She's not You're safe. Yeah. You can let us know if the turkeys get wet or not. I'm just, you know, does does a does a turkey does a female turkey get turned on? And uh, I would, yes, I would say I, I don't understand why why they wouldn't. I don't need some kind of lubrication, right? Well, I, I didn't know. of some sort. I, you're you're constantly basting those things, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Again, they're dead and and in the oven. Like you're you're you dry out once you're not living anymore. So you think that they get the sexually active turkeys are just just sopping wet down there during the active? Uh... <laughs> and I don't I don't I can't speak for sopping, but I don't think there's a huge dryness issue. <laughs> uh, when I was on episode 237 you guys talked about paste picante sauce for an hour and I guess now it's the dry turkey oh the paste picante I've totally forgot about that <laughs> I don't even remember what we were how, how did we talk about paste picante for an hour yeah we tried to figure what, what we were tr- talking about what is picante sauce like what the fuck what, what makes picante sauce different than salsa oh the difference between picante and salsa yeah Yes, which I already forget. I don't know. I just, I, I just, I feel like uh, you know, male turkeys 
that have sex with female. The female turkeys are always talking. Uh, the male turkeys are always talking about how dry their female partners are. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think that's an urban le- legend. I think that's that's not true. <laughs> Just I think. And then and then after the act of sex, that tryptophan f- kicks in and they all fall asleep. <laughs> Again, I don't. I don't think that that's true as well. <laughs> Man, I just, I, I, I just don't understand turkeys, do I, Jake? <laughs> no, you, you need to see a turkey documentary. <laughs> oh man, tomorrow my 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 uh, web browser is just going to be full of turkey porn. <laughs> going to go down that Pornhub rabbit rabbit hole. Oh man, I'm going to go down that turkey hole. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. Have you? You ever go to you ever go to Six Flags or an amusement park and just buy the turkey leg? I love. The, I have not. Oh. It looks all like the Game of Thrones looking turkey leg. Oh man, I used to. I when I go to Six Flags, they got like uh, they got that that medieval ride section, and they near that you can buy a turkey leg. One one time I went into Walmart. It was the weirdest thing I'd ever seen, and I saw a grown man eating a gigantic turkey leg in Walmart. It was the most bizarre thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> yeah, that is very bizarre. Wait, did he get the turkey leg from Walmart? I don't think he got it there. I think that this was a separate purchase from another location. Because I, 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 Was it like an affair? You no, walked over from the fair? First off, I was grossed out because I'm watching a grown man walk through Walmart eating a gigantic fucking turkey leg <laughs> like he's a goddamn Viking and he just got off the boat and killed the turkey and he roasted that fucker and he's just walking around there eating it. And I'm just like, I'm kind of grossed out. But on the flip side, I'm like, I enjoy a good turkey leg. Where did you get that? So I'm like looking around for the turkey leg. <laughs> <laughs> so it's weird. Oh man! I if I was a male turkey, I would pride myself if I got a female turkey wet. I'd be like, oh, you know how oh, no, how, you know how hard that is for humans to do when they cook us. <laughs> I would be bragging to. I would be gobble gobbling to the other turkeys about how wet this turkey girl got. When I did the, when I did when I, I when I did the nasty. I'm giving up. I'm just letting you believe your turkey, your turkey. I'm doing you're, it, no. you're torturing the people that really want to hear DC and Marvel news. Do you, fuck them. You know, um, <laughs> do you th- do you call? Okay, okay. Here's a mashup for you. Do you call porn turkey porn porn tree like poultry porn tree? <laughs> is that is that with, with, with is that what it's called, Jake? Do you think? Uh, I can't verify that. <laughs> I want to see poultry porn. I'm typing that in my browser tonight. And I'm going to oh, see what it pulls up. Anyway, uh, <laughs> this is a weird conversation, and I apologize. Hey, uh, yeah, it got real weird. Uh, Basil Terabishi sent me, uh, one of our listeners sent me a Facebook. Turkey porn? No, he sent, yeah, he sent me some turkey porn. And uh, I, he, no, he sent me a question. He's like, you know, in Avengers Infinity War, the Thanos snap. What do you think it did to Siamese twins? Do you think like one twin? Mm. You think like one twin turned to ash, and then did the other one survive See, or bleed? I don't out? think it had anything to do with where you were in relation to a person. I think it was just so random that you know it could be five people in a group that just disappear, or it could be three and three, or it could be you know zero that disappear in a group. Yeah, but what like, about, I don't what, think- about, what about Siamese twin conjoined twins? <laughs> 
I think there were some situations where there was a Siamese twin pairing that survived and a Siamese twin pairing where both of them disappeared. Another pairing where one and two, you know, one disappeared and one stayed. Yeah, but was just, the one that stayed, did the one that – was it a twofer at that point? Did they bleed out it and was, die? It would be, yeah, every every time that happened, like the, the few times that that happened, it was definitely a twofer every time. Oh. There's no way the other could survive, right? It didn't like – the snap didn't like change like – the future, like oh, didn't I, travel I see back what you're time. saying, yeah, because yeah, they couldn't survive without just half of them disappearing, huh? Yeah, yeah but I exactly. think that was like collateral damage too, because you know, some like airplane pilots might have died and then took down the whole plane with them. So Agreed. it might have been like it might have been like a Siamese twin that disappears and then the other one is surviving and he's like, oh shit, I'm dying now too. It's actually something I really hope to see in Avengers Four. I, I don't think we will. <laughs> we but- won't. No, but I, I did. It was it's one of my um, minor complaints about Infinity War is I thought they did a bad job of really like getting over the fact that this was like a worldwide phenomenon. You might see that in four, though. I mean, yeah. that might be the focus of four in the very beginning. But it's like you can't like who gives a fuck about superheroes when half of the fucking world is disappearing? You know, it's yeah. like it's like they have to touch upon um, how, you know, uh, major an event that would be. Like I mentioned, the whole like commercial airline pilot disappearing, and then all of a sudden he takes down three hundred people. <laughs> yeah, you know that's it wasn't just half of the world. I'm how, pretty sure. Yeah, how are way pe- more than half died? How are people reacting to superheroes? How is Tony taking it? Like, oh, I could have stopped this and I didn't, and like I'm responsible for this. And I wonder if some Wait, people, how, how is Tony responsible for it? Well, he, he's he, he always takes responsibility. He took responsibility yeah. for Ultron. Well, even well, though, Ultron even though, fault. I know, even yeah, exactly. But see, here's I think that that's just who he is inherently. Like he always feels like he's the, the guy burden. that's got. He's f- the protector. Yeah. yeah, he didn't decipher the premonition fast enough to stop this, Tristan. It's all completely his fault. Like he, yeah. he had all the foreshadowing clues to avoid this. It's all Star Lord's fault. That's what I was going to say. Even though we all feel like, you know, Star-Lord had a big hand in this, I just I just feel like Tony's that guy that's going to take yeah. like, you know, the burden of it on his shoulders. Yeah. Definitely for Peter too. Yeah. Yeah, he's going to yeah. feel responsible for that. Are we going to have like that conversation between Are we going to see that conversation between uh Tony and uh Aunt May? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. I think you can't just pick up Avengers 4 and, you know, fast forward 10 years in the future and have them fighting crime and stuff. You're like, you have to touch on the fact that half of the politicians died, half of the celebrities died, half of just the world died. And, yeah. And like I, like I mentioned, half, more than half, because you even saw what uh, um, the end credit scene with Nick Fury when there's a helicopter that crashes into a building. It's like there could have been a guy who survived on that thing and he died, too. Yeah, you know, just because the helicopter crashed. It's I do like, think they're going to yada yada most of this stuff, though. It's yeah. something they should dive into, though, in my opinion. Oh, I agree. Yeah. I completely agree. It's it's super fascinating. Like, and I, and I think it kind of expands the world when you make it feel a little bit more all encompassing. Like, that. did you see the like, re- even if it's just a newscast or yeah. something? They should at least release, in the very least, if they don't address in the movie, they should at least release like a companion comic or something about yeah. people and how they dealt with the snap. Did you ever see the, have you guys seen the the theory that Nick Fury was privy to all this information? I know we kind of like poo-pooed on it, Jake, like months ago, but 
like there's a theory that's recently come out by a redditor on Reddit, and he says that Nick Fury knew all about this and this happening, and that's why the pager was there, and that uh, he was told that uh, when when Doctor Strange did his fourteen million fucking you know future fifteen yeah yeah his futuristic outcomes or whatever it was that. During that whole process, Doctor Strange went back to the 90s and told, gave visions. That may be the end credit scene for Captain Marvel. Yeah, he gave visions to Nick Fury about the future. That was part of it. And that's why at the end of Avengers, he basically, I can't say the quote verbatim, but he says, you have just become a part of a bigger world and talking about how there's other superheroes out there, other people with abilities. You've just become part of a bigger world. That's bigger than you and bigger. And uh, talking about the Avengers initiative. And it's because he knows, well, we know he knows Captain Marvel, but also, you know, other things he, he knows information too. So I, I, I don't, I don't know if that's the case. It's a, it's a cool theory. Yeah. But, you know, we'll see. Yeah. I like it. And it, it kind of touches back to kind of how they did Nick Fury in the comic books, too, right? Yes. It's a completely different example, but it, it reminds me very much of what Hickman did with the Secret Warriors storyline. Yeah. yeah. And, well, we've seen Nick Fury, man, we've seen Nick Fury do a lot, even in the original Sin Run with Jason Aaron. Like, he knew about a lot of things. He was a lot more powerful than we even thought he was. So. Yeah, and they always kind of in the comics the reveal is very much the way this would be where it's like after the fact and you get kind of the prequel issue where you see where he had his finger and all and all this stuff. Who do you think has been a scroll this whole time? Yeah, that that's a tough call. I don't know. I mean, like the easy answer is like Hawkeye, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, with Hawkeye, Hawkeye, Hawkeye's yeah. family and all that stuff, I think is going to be a big thing in Avengers Four. Like I think his yeah, fuck fam- him. He was a scroll the whole time. He didn't love him. No, I think that like like, like this, Hawkeye's got a bigger role, and he's got a role, excuse me, in Avengers Four. And I think like the reason like we know from like the prequel comic that he retired from the Avengers, and what's going to bring him out of retirement is the fact that his family was involved in the snap. So yeah, I yeah, think- or maybe it's because he finds out his family are all scrolls spying on him. Well, it's safe to say whoever's going to be a scroll is not going to be someone who had a, a solo picture. Yeah. yeah. Be a fringe character. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's got to make an impact, though. It, it can't be too fringe or it's it's zero impact. Yeah. Like, it, maybe it's not – maybe the reveal is not that they've been a scroll since Iron Man 1. Maybe we're going to get – At that some point, point, they switched or something. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Between Avengers 3 and 4, this character became a scroll. And then we yeah. see, like, the fill in the spaces. I think that would be the, the most fun way to do it and less cheap than just, hey, Black Widow's been a scroll since Avengers 1. Like, yeah. it would be easy to do someone like Hawkeye because there's just not a lot of screen time with him. But it's yes. like, it's, it's difficult to do that with a Captain America because you know that's Cap in, Avenger, in Infinity War. Like, you know that's him. You know, like, you, you know that's the guy that had the history that you've witnessed over the past few movies. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It'd be, it's very interesting. Hank Pym would be an interesting candidate. Oh, yeah, yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. right? Because that's, that's kind of exactly what you want, right? You want a big character, but not too big and not, and not too, you know, fringy. Or, yeah, yeah shit. Or um, even like uh, Janet Van Dyne coming back. Like, she died years ago. What you got, what you got out of the quantum realm was actually the scroll oh yeah that's kind of soul crushing right yeah you you, you think you finally got her back and then it's not even her no she's been dead for years yeah Yeah. oh yeah that's soul crushing yeah that's good that's good i I hope they do really play up the scroll thing over at least a whole phase of movies because i'm a huge fanboy of that and i think there's a lot of fun to be had there as long as they don't do it too cheap wait can a scroll mimic the powers though um super scrolls have yeah, Super Scroll could do all four of the Fantastic Four's powers. Like they, it's like through genetic manipulation, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's and super. they like study the heroes, and then they genetically manipulate one of their own to be able to do the thing the hero does before they replace them. You know, can, they don't so just the, go in and decide to be that dude on the spot. They like study up. Can so Marvel, theoretically a scroll, a scroll can be Bruce Banner and then change into the Hulk? Yeah, that seems a little tougher, though. Yeah, yeah. Could a su- uh, yeah. can can Marvel use Super Scrolls, or is that a Fox thing? That's see, that's what I'm confused about here because like it's so weird when you start getting into com- they both. Yeah, they both can use the scrolls. Um, anything that was, I think, particular to the Fantastic Four, Foxes, or at one point, Fox had exclusive rights to it. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, where- I don't know if Super Scroll was ever known outside of fantastic four right seems like a fine line though because like the actual powers that the super scroll does are very like public domain like right like like any company could make a movie where the guy's powers were he stretches or yeah you just don't call him super scroll yeah Yeah. you just don't call him exactly like you you don't call him super scroll and I don't think it's any kind of infringement for him to do any of those basic vanilla paint by number powers that we've seen in a thousand movies. Yeah, right? it's just so weird, though, because it's like you can't call, um, you know, Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver in the MCU. You can't call them mutants, but you can in the Fox films. And then, like, it's also their names. You can't, you know, you always hear... Uh, their name, their names, their actual names in the MCU, but they can actually they can be called Quicksilver, I believe, in the Fox films. Or do I have that reversed? Um, it's like I believe they can be called Quicksilver in the Fox. Well, yeah, because they never call them Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver, right? Quick, the MCU, they in, never call them that. They call them Wanda and Wanda and, and Pietro. Uh, Pietro, yeah, yeah. They um, do and not I know, call I know they can't. They can't um, allude to their their parentage at all. They yeah. can't tell you that Magneto's their father or anything like that. I know but that's they, a restriction. But they can in Fox because they totally alluded to that. Yeah, in, yeah with definitely. Mag- Magneto in the elevator scene. So yeah. Anyway, yeah, it's a bunch of stuff I never thought we were going to talk about in this episode, but that was fun. Um, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah. News news from the rap. Uh, Thirteen reasons why star Catherine Langford joins Avengers 4. Um, she has joined the cast of Avengers 4. Individuals with knowledge of the project exclusively told the rap. Langford has already shot her scenes, and uh, her role is being kept under wraps. I guess some people are thinking that she's going to be playing an older, like Scott's daughter, 
Yeah, that's what I thought. Ant Man. So because yeah, we we know there's an older daughter in the yeah in the yeah film, they've cast like a they said I'm not she, sure if they cast her or not. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like I had thought that they already had cast an actress and gave us the name of the actress, but I'm wrong. I guess I could have sworn they did. I thought they did too. So. Um, one of our listeners said, man, she'd be a great Kate Bishop. And I totally agree that she'd be an awesome. Oh Kate man. Bishop. Yeah. So Kate Bishop, uh, the female Hawkeye, that would be pretty cool. I, I just, I really don't know. I, I love the actress. I thought she was great in 13 reasons why. And then she was also in like in another Netflix original, like romance comedy thing or something that I recently saw. And no, no, no. She was in a uh, love Simon. She was great in that movie. I liked her in that one, too. Yeah, I've not seen that. Really good. So, yeah, we'll see who she's playing. She's, pro- she's probably playing Ant-Man's daughter at 16. Yeah, seems, seems like the obvious thing. Yeah. Uh, Eric Weber on Twitter, he's a member of uh, Critics' Choice, was invited to an awards consideration screening of Black Panther on Thursday with uh, Ryan Coogler in attendance, as well as Kevin Feige. And uh, Eric Weber was able to get answers from Kevin Feige directly on a few things, and here's what Eric Weber tweeted. Okay, here we go. Three quick questions, answers direct from Kevin Feige's mouth. Number one, Avengers 4 trailer, quote, before the end of the year. So we're going to get the Avengers 4 trailer before the end of the year. Number two, Namor, the Submariner could make an appearance still deciding if and when number three guardians three status on hold all of these are pretty uh pretty um big uh, no no shit sherlock a little bit on on most of them though right uh yeah avengers 4 trailer it's just nice to know that we're going to get it before the end of the year we definitely should i mean i would say that we're going to get it sometime in november if i had to guess sooner rather than later Namor, that's the one that we weren't sure about because, like, I've, I didn't, I, I thought like Marvel Studios owned the characters character, but I thought Paramount owned the distribution rights for Namor. That's correct. So yeah, um, but if they don't make a Namor movie, just like the Incredible Hulk, he could show up in another film. So that's promising. Mm-hmm. So I'm hoping that he will be the villain for Black Panther two. Oh man, I hope Paramount gets it in gear and makes a shitty Namor movie. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to see Nam- that Namor? That could be really terrible. Namor is the villain of Black Panther too. Oh, that could, that'll be great too. But yeah, I, I I was just making a joke. Namor is the the perfect villain for Black Panther too. Just having the Atlanteans versus the Wakandians is like that's movie magic. But yeah, it would it also makes- be fun to be a see a craptastic Paramount Namor movie. I just, I think yeah. with, with Aquaman coming out, I just think it'd be silly for Marvel to to pursue. Yeah, that. You, it's like you have to use him as a villain or a secondary character because at this point, I mean, DC has already beat you to the punch. Yeah, he has to be a villain. And they really fuck it up if they don't have Namor as a villain when they first introduce him. When they first introduce him, absolutely. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, yeah, that'll be great. Yeah. Fucking, if if we see Wakanda, imagine the budget on that fucking movie. Wakanda and Atlantis in the same fucking movie. Um, yeah, that'll be wild. That'll be wild. Any idea who you would cast as a Namor? Is he, is he a younger guy, an older guy? <laughs> 
I would, <sighs> I would go if around. If he wasn't Doctor Strange, I would have went with Benedict. Yeah. yeah he's got the forehead yeah. for it, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> hmm. yeah. I'm not sure who you would cast as uh, Namor. That's, yeah, a, right. tough that's a toughie. That is a tough I have to give that thought. Um, yeah, uh, Avengers 4 trailer before the end of the year. Looking forward to that. Guardians 3 status on hold. No shit. That's a no shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't say. I wonder why. Frank Grillo <laughs> appeared on a recent UFC Unfiltered podcast and confirmed his villain character Crossbones from Captain America Winter Soldier and Captain America Civil War will turn up in the fourth Avengers film in a flashback. Why? I don't, I don't know. It's, I, it's the time travel, I guess, but I, why do you, I don't know. It's just, I want to see. I, how think, it, I think it has to do with, you know, the time stone and Ant-Man and going back in time. Maybe he's going to go back to that, that, um, that action scene in the beginning of civil war, something like that. It's going to be during the montage of all of cap's greatest moments after he's dead. We'll you, see crossbones. You're just mm. taking it real dark. <laughs> Jake. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, I don't Well, so how are they using crossbones? And he's already gone. And I don't know, maybe they will do like a, a montage sequence of captain America at the end of the movie. It's crazy. Remember him by, yeah, they're going to have an in-memoriam section at the end. <laughs> Everyone he killed. Yeah, yeah you know, like a, like the fucking sizzle reel to fucking memorate Cap. It'll be in black and white and they'll play some, like, I don't know. That's <laughs> Celine Dion singing a song about him, right, Jake? I was thinking Somewhere Over the Rainbow would be the backdrop, backdrop to this montage. <laughs> I, I hate I hate everything that you're coming up with. Frank Grillo has been really weird in the media lately, right? He's like this this year's Anthony Mackie now. All of a sudden, he seems to really be uh, vying for some attention. Frank Grillo, the new Anthony Mackie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always seeing like potential spoilers coming down from uh, Frank Grillo lately. It seems very weird. Who's like who's like a big who's like a big like uh, Crossbones fanboy when it comes to the MCU? You know, like who's 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 like uh, begging to see that character come back? Yeah, exactly. I mean, maybe if they would have given us closer to like the crossbones from the comic books people because crossbones is a, such a great character in the comic books yeah but who's a fanboy of the mcu crossbones yeah he's a guy with a gun basically yeah like they haven't they really have not given him that much depth um yeah it's very bizarre also frank grillo confirmed to super bro movies at the austin film festival this week that tilda swinton's character uh the ancient one from doctor strange will have a tiny cameo in the movie the the production shooting a scene during her single day of availability. So the ancient one is going to be showing up in uh, mm-hmm. Infinity War Part uh, Two, Avengers Four, whatever you want to call it. That's interesting. Yeah. Mm, that must be during <laughs> Doctor Strange's death montage. <laughs> you are you're, you're obsessed with these death montage scenes. No, I'm, I'm just joking. This is more. This is what I was talking about with the Frank Grillo thing, though, right? No, it's like and with the. Yeah, yeah. It sounds like you're like. Are you trying to get a job at a funeral home, Jake? Like, what's going on here? No, 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 no. 
I'm trying to not at the funeral home. I want to make once someone passes away, I want to make like montages of like their life of their greatest moments, their life in the, yeah. in the, in the yeah, 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 throw yeah. that in the movie. You have horrible yeah, ideas. I, I hate everything you're saying. <laughs> I mean, movies do that, right? Like when someone important dies at the end of the movie, we like have a brief, like they show a couple scenes. Oh, I hate from this. that character. Oh, this is uh, <laughs> <it> sounds terrible. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. How how do you see crossbones and the ancient one fitting in on this? The time travel. I don't see them like oh, Cap's dead, so here and then all of a sudden like they're showing like uh past battles and here's <laughs> I really feel that there's just gonna be a lot of time travel. I think they're gonna go yeah. through very key moments in the MTU. Well, and I think the I, and like Ant Man is going to be there, and he's going to be so yeah. small to where you don't know he's there, or something like that. An ancient one, I think that could be like kind of like a Force Ghost kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, that that would make sense. Just talking mm-hmm. to Doctor Strange, yeah. that's a lot easier to put that like figure something out to do with that. That's not yeah. time travel. Yeah, I'm I'm still trying to understand like what you were saying, Jake. Like you, people die, and then we watch like a montage of stuff. I think you're thinking too deep into it. I mean, you don't know what kind of like the, the kind of movie thing you do. Like when you're like, like, you know, the in memory, like scene at the end of a movie when they, when they do that kind of thing. Oh God, I hate it. <laughs> it's okay. There's no, there's no bunny material here. So there's no need to get hung up on it. I'm, I'm a little hung up. <laughs> not gonna, not, gonna, not gonna lie. I tried to I tried to make you being hung up funny and it, it was it was not working. <laughs> not, nothing is working this episode. Seriously, I, I feel like I feel so like I'm, I'm ready to pass. I feel like a I'm male ready to either agree with time travel or whatever I got to do to move on to the next thing. I, I feel like a male turkey trying to turn on a female turkey right now. <laughs> oh, no, nothing's working. Is I, I want Niagara Falls, but I'm getting a fucking I'm getting a broke faucet. <laughs> yeah. Well, spoiler, it's because you're both dead. And you're hung up on that. You're acting like you're you're acting like turkeys are just like they're like the gushers candy. They're just like it's like a fucking geyser coming out of that turkey vagina. Well, your whole hypothesis is based on the turkey being dry when you eat it. You can't blame me. But you're constantly basting that son of a bitch. <laughs> it's a constant. Hey Brian, you know that iTunes review that talked about how you repeat stuff all the time? Yeah. He's, he's throwing his phone out the window. Yeah, right fuck now. that guy. <laughs> fuck that guy. Fuck that I guy. thought we were coming to some new, some new conclusions about the whole turkey thing, actually. <laughs> we were getting ready to cross a bridge, and now, now we're done. I don't know, man. It's so weird. I just... Yeah, I'm done with. I'm time. I'm done talking about turkeys. Let's move on to the DC news. Uh, DC news. Yeah, where are you? Last night, Batman destroyed my vagina, and now the leftovers are going to destroy DC news. It's time for DC news. You fucking pieces of shit. All right, uh, Wonder Woman's being delayed. Yeah, six months, right? Seven. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it's like, why not open in the month where you, the first one did so well, you know? Yeah, I agree. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's just, I'm sad because I got to wait until 2020 now. June 5th, 2020. 
So yeah, that's a long time to wait. That's in between a long a sequel. time from now for a movie they're shooting right now. Yeah, it's yeah. a long wait. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, hopefully, you know, it's just to tighten up the whole thing, and it's not to do some really goofy Warner Brothers shit with it for some reason. Um, I've seen lots of fringe weird rumors that they might try to like use this as like a flashpoint restarting point. No, that's because bullshit. of the delay. That's a uh, that's clickbait bullshit. Oh yeah, like I called it fringe bullshit to begin with, but you know, one out of a hundred times they get some goofy shit right. So let's hope it is just for you know scheduling purposes. It's. I think it is scheduling purposes because they, they slid another movie into that slot. I can't remember what movie they slid into. Oh, I fucking knew too. Um, oh, it was like Charlie's Angels Two, right? Charlie's Angels Two and um, Terminator. I thought it was Terminator Six. Yeah. Yeah, the next Terminator. I think both of them are jumped on that spot once Wonder Woman moved. You mean Charlie's Angels One, right? Like the. Oh, I'm sorry. No, the the reboot. Whatever the next one is going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, reboots, man. It's just been reboot central around here. Yeah, yeah when, when was that anything different? <laughs> I know. It just gets more and more, right? Yeah, I don't know. A lot of them are just garbage. Um, I love the Planet of the Apes ones, though. Those are so gut. Yeah, but the reboots before that was garbage, or the reboot. Oh, yeah, the Tim Burton one. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that was pretty crappy. I don't know. What are we doing? Eh, this episode's fucking terrible. I'm talking about turkey. Turkey's getting wet. <laughs> I know. We need a PCL death montage. <laughs> and it's just, I think, yeah, our episode, this this is the episode where we've jumped the shark, right, Jake? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I don't know about that. I think that, that happened at least 100 plus episodes ago. I think it's an interesting, it's, it's an interesting discussion, though, Jake. Turkeys are, they can be really dry. <laughs> When you said it's an interesting discussion, my first thought was, I hope it's not the turkeys. Oh, I'm back to the turkeys. Absolutely, I'm back to the turkeys. <laughs> it's an, yeah, and, and the male turkey has his own baster that he can insert in there. So maybe does that help? <laughs> he has like his own. I don't think there's any help needed. It's his own personal built-in baster. His penis. Do do. Do male turkeys have the <laughs> what? What's a male turkey penis look like? I could not answer that question. I don't know what a bird penis looks like. Oh man, bird penises. Um, <laughs> <laughs> hey, isn't it? Have you ever seen a pig penis? No. You could basically uncork a wine bottle with a pig penis because they're curly cute penises. I like their tails. Yeah, it looks like, I guess it looks like, yeah, it just looks like another, it's like, whoa, second tail. (laughs) (laughs) This one can't impregnate you. Hold on. No, I'm not, Brian, you are not going to Google pig penis. (laughs) Can you? (laughs) I'll take your word for it. I'm pretty sure they're like a little curly cue. It looks like an Arby's curly fry coming out of their fucking crotch. <laughs> Nobody, nobody's got nothing. Every now and again, I like to just play. Let's see how long the awkward silence could go. I mean, it's, it's a, come on, somebody bail me out here, Jesus Christ! 
I think that that would be a pretty good show to throw up on Netflix, right? It's like we are going to show you animal penises, all the different animal penises. Like, you know, I don't know what they look like. We all see like cute, cuddly animals and like ferocious animals, animals with like feathers on and animals doing weird stuff. I don't know what their dicks look like. Yeah, they should make um, flashcards for that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where it's, it's like the picture, <laughs> and, and then, then you got to guess guess what it is, and it's on the other side. You know? Oh man! But you're like, it's like your 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 one buddy Ben like gets them all right the first time, <laughs> and, and, and that's the guy you got to watch, right? Yeah, that's yeah. that's yeah. They should definitely make those. That oh, would be man. helpful at parties. Yeah, I agree that the animal kingdom penises need to be part of the curriculum in grade school. We've all seen a horse cock. You know, we've all seen a horse cock. They're huge. But, like, I don't know what an owl penis looks like. <laughs> right? <laughs> Some things are just left better unknown. You I ever think. seen a hedgehog dick? <laughs> no. Huh? I've seen very few hedgehogs in general. You ever seen a fucking cat cock? I haven't. I've seen their balls. Their balls are huge, but it's not like I'm seeing cat dick everywhere I go. <laughs> oh, man. DC News is crazy this week. Man, it's weird. <laughs> Getting into some. Yeah, Killer Croc. What's his fucking cock look like? <laughs> <laughs> the penguin. <laughs> wah, wah, look at my dick. <laughs> 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 Oh man! Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I, I think I think that that would be a good series on Netflix to kind of like you know, hey, guess what? Oh, we got a whole episode on salamander penis. Yeah, who'd you get to narrate that? Oh, we can't do Morgan Freeman anymore, can we? <laughs> yeah, that would be a weird subject matter for him to be doing it at this point. Yeah, can't do that. Who who do you get narrating that one? Well, let's just let's just be silly with it. Let's get like Bobcat Goldthwait to talk about all these. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that'd be great. I'm sold now. All right, I wasn't gonna watch before, but now I'm in. We'll get back to DC news, but I'm gonna ask you guys this one question: If you could, like, what what animal penis are you the most curious about? I'm gonna say the oh, owl. Owl. Owl penis. How many how, how many licks does it take to uh, <laughs> one a two <laughs> well, how many okay you know I'm not yeah I'm gonna add, now I'm gonna ask that question no all right Tristan what's your animal uh, it's gonna be some kind of bird I've never seen a bird penis a bird penis <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna answer this question because you guys are sick perverts. <laughs> 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 no, I want to see a sugar glider dick. I don't even know what that is. Sugar glider? Yeah. Google sugar glider, man. They're just they're like uh tiny little uh, uh squirrels or something. They've got uh, they're marsupials. They and they have a pouch. They look like a so they're like from the kangaroo family, but they look like little raccoons. With, uh, oh, they're cute, and they've got wings. They can, uh, they they can't uh, they can't fly, but they. Oh, can... I cannot unsee this. I just googled sugar glider dick. Oh my god, you did it! <laughs> <laughs> oh man, 
Oh, jeez. Wouldn't that be? Tristan just got put on a few lists. <laughs> yeah, you did. Oh, my gosh. You're going to get a knock at the door tomorrow. I'm trashing my computer right now. <laughs> that would be an awesome, amazing breakfast cereal. Sugar glider dicks, and it's like a... <laughs> Fra- you gotta add the word honey before it. F- honey sugar glider dicks, and it's <laughs> yeah, it's frosted with talking. a little bit frosted of sugar. Sugar glider dicks, and then like yes, you know, there you go. Every but every every March they come out with uh, with like uh, cinnamon ones, and it's like an it's a limited edition, so a little sprinkle oh. of cinnamon. But then in November, of course, they got the pumpkin spice sugar glider <laughs> fucking dick cereal. You got the frosted sugar glider dick with marshmallows. Yeah. And- Oh, uh, it's yeah. it's gluten free, right? Isn't it? Everything is. <laughs> you know, cereal is assuredly not gluten free. Still, <laughs> do, they don't have gluten free sh- cereals. Well, I mean, they do, but not the ones you're talking. Not like that kind of cereal. Mm. Like that shit is super glue, right? Like a fucking like a Lucky Charms or something. Or listen, listen to General Mills over here. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to call you General Mills in a very sarcastic tone, Jake. <laughs> I'm not really judging you. <laughs> no, I was good. I don't blame you. <laughs> listen to it, it. Sounded better than <laughs> it sounded better than listen to Mister Post cereal over here. Well, yeah. yeah. Oh man, yeah, no, it was good. It shut me off. That's for sure. I was just laughing. This episode is fucking garbage. <laughs> it got better. How do you how do you think our female listeners are like reacting? I'm, to, think, I'm thinking about that this entire time. You know, it's like they, women love and I love animals too. I, I'm a big I'm a big you know I love animals. I love my cats and stuff like that. But. Uh, yeah, how do women? How are women reacting to us uh, speculating on uh, animal penises here? Uh, some probably decently. Oh my! What's a duck-billed platypus's cock look like? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what about a kangaroo? Is like, like kangaroo? Does it? Ha- I, I don't know. Does it? Ha- does it come out of a pouch? Is that? Is that what's in there? <laughs> <laughs> Does it scar their children when it when they put their children in there and their dicks poking through? No, that's do the, the mom. Do the, ma- do the males even have pouches? I don't know if the males have. We don't know anything about animals. <laughs> <laughs> I, do the males have pouches? I don't think so. I don't know. <laughs> we need to start an animal podcast. <laughs> Are we the only animal that has a belly button? Oh, that can't be true. Um, dogs don't have a belly I've button. I've seen, I've seen like apes with belly buttons, right? Do they? Do apes have belly buttons? They must. I like. I've seen like, like even like some of the Disney monkeys, like right, like <laughs> the freaking <laughs> like oh, King Louie. Yeah, like King Louie's got a belly button. <laughs> you're, t- you're not even talking about a real monkey. You're talking about an animated monkey. Your example, your example in the animal kingdom is King Louie from the Jungle Book animated movie. You're not even referencing like you could you could talk about that. Uh, you could talk about Cheetah, the chimpanzee from the Tarzan series. You could you could talk about that 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 one uh, gorilla that knew sign language. But you're talking about King Louie from the animated Jungle Book as your reference for if 
if if if monkeys have belly buttons. <laughs> I'm looking at the gorillas and Tarzan to see if they have belly buttons. Yeah, I'm looking at I, I searched an, belly button animals and I'm looking at dog belly buttons and monkey belly buttons and I thought, rabbit belly buttons. So they there are there are belly other belly buttons in the animal kingdom. Yes. Turtles have belly buttons. Dude, wouldn't that be fucked up if humans had pouches? What would you use your pouch for? I'd be I'd, I'd use it. I'd put my cell phone in there. That'd be yeah. I'm saying yeah, you put I the, you put the Holy Trinity in there. You put the keys, wallet, phone in there. Yeah, I um I don't think that's far fetched, right? Like uh, you eventually you over lots of time adapt, right? And like I'm surprised we haven't like like grew like an extra skin pocket for all of our bullshit yet. <laughs> so it's coming. Give it a few generations. <laughs> a skin pocket. <laughs> it's not going to be pretty. No, it's that's that is not. No, it's not. Oh, I don't want to see a skin pocket, and don't call it a skin pocket. Ew, God, skin pocket. Yeah, yeah. It's that kind of attitude that's going to cause lots of problems with it. Body shaming people's skin pockets. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Why can't you call it that? Even skin pouch sounds gross. Yeah, yeah. I think I go. I like skin pocket better. What happened to DC News? We're done. <laughs> all right. And Star Wars news is Kathleen Kennedy said that uh, the Boba Fett movie's dead. All right. Okay. So there's your Star Wars news. All right, people. We're I wish done. Kathleen Kennedy would say Boba Fett is dead. I would cheer for that. He died in the Sarlacc pit, people. Sorry. What are the chances? What are the chances? We got this new Mandalorian series coming out. What are the chances that in the Mandalorian, and, and, and this is a story that I've proposed before when we were talking about the Boba Fett film, that someone finds Boba Fett's armor and starts using it, and then people think the, you know, Boba Fett, the bounty hunter, is back. And uh, what if at the end of the first season of the Mandalorian, the real Boba Fett, Played by, played by hopefully Taika Waititi, who is, he's an actor, people, not just a director, but he, you know, he shows up in the in this town, wanting his armor back. I like it. I I, I think Boba Fett's definitely going to make some kind of appearance in the, in this show, right? Especially with this news. Well, didn't she? Say, didn't didn't Kathleen Kennedy say that like the, okay, since the the Boba Fett film is dead. That anything that they were doing with that project will be handled in the Mandalorian. Hold on, do I have that quote, or am I just making that the fuck up? It just it's, sounds I mean, reasonable. Go ahead and make it up. Here we go. No, here, here, here we go. This true. This I got this. Uh, Dark Horizon says Emmy Award-winning serious XM journalist Eric Weber has posted a tweet last night saying Lucasfilm President Kathleen Kennedy confirmed to him that personally. The Boba Fett movie is 100% dead, and all development on the project has been refocused on the currently in production. Oh, that doesn't mean – so basically it just yeah. means that they're working on the – The, the yes. film is dead. The solo film is dead. The, yeah, the solo film for Boba Fett's dad. Yeah. And yeah, they, they freaked out after Solo. And right now you know, you have The Mandalorian coming out, and I think they're putting all their eggs in that. And yeah. there's no way in hell that there's not going to be some Boba Fett reference. 
or at least some tie into a, a storyline, whether it's him or his armor or something. Mm-hmm. It's got to be. It's got to be. Yeah, because Boba Fett's not Mandalorian himself. So, right. for uh, you know, Mandalorians probably are pissed off that you've got somebody running around in Mandalorian armor doing these things. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to touch on that. This, yeah, I don't know. I'm interested to see the show. Do you want to talk about animal belly buttons or penises again? <laughs> Not particularly. What about Star? Can, what about Star Wars aliens' penises? What do you, what do you think? Uh, what do you think Jabba's rocking? Or do you think he's just a gigantic penis to begin with? <laughs> That's interesting. That's very possible. <laughs> <laughs> Tristan's really thinking about this. I bet, I bet you Salacious Crumb has a huge cock. <laughs> what do you think, Jake? Yeah, that's very potentially. What about like Banthas? Ah, Banthas. Oh my gosh, seriously. Like when that hits the ground, you feel it, right? <laughs> yeah, like fucking tremors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, 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 that shit will wake you up in the middle of the night you know <laughs> it's like a train going by your house you just whoa <laughs> yeah, yeah. what about Ewok dicks I don't know I, I bet they're I, dude I guarantee you those are fucking like small as fuck dude well they're pantsless so you can see it small yeah, yeah. I guarantee you nub nubs Definitely nub nubs. I guarantee you, like fucking Emmanuel Lewis has a bigger dick than they do. <laughs> nice left field reference there. Yeah. I people have to hate this episode, dude. This is so weird. Like, like, like this is terrible. <laughs> This is terrible, Jake. We're talking about this is just ridiculous. You know, at first I wasn't into it at all, but now I've like I've slowly really warmed into it. You got to own it, right? <laughs> yeah, you got I'm kind of like I, I'm kind of like uh trying to distance myself from it now and Jake's kind of embraced this animal penis talk. Yeah, it feels like it feels like we both traded positions here. We've both done a 180. I very I very much resisted it when you first brought it up, but now I'm I'm okay with talking Jake's about it. Jake's ready to produce the Netflix TV series. <laughs> yeah, I just sent Bobcat an email. <laughs> what's a sti- I, got, I got twenty. I got twenty bucks. He might do it. Sti- uh, speaking of Bobcats, what's what's an actual Bobcat penis look Uh-oh. like? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Do you think Do you think know. Bobcats got their nickname because they like to give blowjobs? You think that's thing? <laughs> I don't think Bob is Bobcat a nickname. Do, uh, do any animals give each other blowjobs? Is that a thing in the animal kingdom? Do you see like it's not like I've seen like uh, you know like two cats giving each other head. <laughs> Dude, that would be crazy if I walked in on two cats like blowing each other. I, I feel like if I walked into that room, I feel like I would do that cat thing and just look at you like, whoa, what the fuck? Who cares? Oh, man. That would be. Oh, God. Oh, my God. That would be just wild. Just like a cat performing fellatio on another cat. And you walk in on that and you're just like, wow. I feel like I, I don't know. That's weird to think about animals blowing each other. 
right? It's very weird. I can see primates doing it, though. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure, like, chimpanzees and, like, uh, uh, orangutans. Oh, orangutans are blowing everything, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That brings it full circle to King Louie. (laughs) (laughs) They call him King Bluey, right? Oh man, I think you just saved the episode right there with that joke. <laughs> I think we should end it on that, right, gentlemen? Yeah, all right. <laughs> okay, guys. Tristan, I want to thank you for joining us, man. Hey, it was my pleasure, man. No. Anytime. I think we, we should have been talking about salsa and paste bacane sauce this whole time, right? Hey, this is an upgrade for me. Dude, this yeah. is, <laughs> upgrade. <laughs> it's either paste picante sauce or dry turkey vagina. Dude, that that like fucking salsa and paste picante sauce is tame compared to what we tackle tonight. <laughs> <laughs> the serious subjects. <laughs> my, my girlfriend said to let me know when the episode airs. I'm not gonna do that. No, do not let <laughs> her tell know. Tell her we fucked up. Yeah, like, tell her computer break, computer malfunction. The audio yeah, was 100 yeah. percent lost, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you just skip. <laughs> yeah, she's not in the army, is she? She's not gonna. No, 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 uh, not at all. You're good to go then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Just, oh no, the, all the episode was lost. I lost all the audio. Tell her, that, <laughs> the, yeah, tell her it's all gone. So, oh my gosh, what a weird Jake. I think that this is gonna be. I think I don't think people are gonna like this one. Oh, I disagree. I disagree. I think our listener base is going to eat this up. This is the episode where you timestamp and you say, hey, just join in here and stop here. Well, how do you timestamp that? Oh, this is where we talk about fucking flamingo cock or something. Like, what? <laughs> like, like, <laughs> <laughs> is it pink? Oh, you know, you know what makes flamingos pink? Eating shrimp. That's shrimp? A, that is not a lie. Flamingos, they're, they, like, if they, when they eat shrimp, that's what turns them pink. So what are they when they don't eat shrimp? Just like a white, white color, yeah. Oh. Yeah. If they mm. eat shrimp. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, uh, oh, that, that would fucking suck if you were on a diet and, like, every time you ate cake, you turned, like, a different color. People would be like, you cake-eating motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Been eating that marble again, huh? Yeah. <laughs> You red velvet eating son of a bitch. <laughs> you just show up to work bright blue. You frosty yeah. fuck. Yeah. Yeah, just show up to work. Bright blue. <laughs> whatever like whatever color cake you eat, like that's what you turn. Like, oh yeah. <laughs> Look like you got a goddamn sunburn, you've been eating the red velvet. Oh, yeah. oh man. You got, you got fucking blue spots all over you've been eating like blueberry muffins or some shit. So yeah. <laughs> Oh man. All right, let's end this bitch. This is getting stupid. Now we're talking about ooh, magical pastries. <laughs> <laughs> magical baked goods. <laughs> so, Can we talk about yeah. how horrible that Bane photo was, though, before we leave? Oh, God, the fucking uh, Gotham Bane? Yeah. Oh, my God, that looks so terrible. It looks like, <laughs> it, so looked like it looked like emo Sub-Zero. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, emo Sub-Zero. He's already a little emo, too, so he's really ratcheting it up now. Oh, it's so terrible. And Tristan, what, like, what did you, like, what first, like, popped into your head, like, when you saw The first that? thing that popped in my head was just, like, what the fuck are they doing? Like, I don't get... I don't get why you get rid of the luchador mask or yeah. anything like yeah. or why I at least try to mimic the Tom Hardy one or something. It just looked like they, like you said, it's just some freaking nineties video game character. Like, 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 do you, do you not see like, like public reaction to like the way that they made Oscar Isaac look as apocalypse? Uh, and apocalypse like, yeah. yeah. Like, do you not see that? And like, don't people like don't don't they see the praise like when they give it comic book accuracy for the most part you know like it's so weird that they're just like oh we're gonna do our own thing like i i don't understand that like i get that gotham is kind of like an elseworld story because it's not like canon or anything it's like fox's own thing but fuck that just looked terrible yeah i don't get it i really don't like you said, it's like at least just make them look like the fucking character. Right. And you're already <laughs> winning half the battle. Gosh, it looked like uh oh, I'm trying to think here. It looked like uh it looked like Benjamin Button with a fucking Cadillac grill strapped to his face. <laughs> oh, I, I really feel for the actor though, man. He's he's getting ripped apart, I'm sure. Mm, I bet. Man, yeah. Like when I first saw that picture, I was just like I just I couldn't stop laughing. I was just <laughs> you know. And they released yeah. it like they were proud of it. Like what did they think was gonna happen? It looked very mad. It was Mad Max to me. I kept thinking yeah. beyond Thunderdome, you know? Yeah, very Mad Max. I agree. I agree. What do you think Bane's dick look? No, I'm kidding. Guys, <laughs> let's... <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely got spikes on it. You think so? Do you think, like... Yeah. He's got that bitch fucking pierced, you know. Oh, man. At least the one in Gotham. Yeah, it's like... Oh, man. I bet... Oh, God. Like the Legion of Doom wrestlers, or like, what were they? What were those guys called? Legion of Doom. Legion of Doom. I'm yeah. thinking of the other. What were the other ones? Axe and Demolition. Smash. Demolition. With Mr. Fuji. Mr. Fuji. Ooh, I have not heard that name in so long. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Mr. Fuji was my favorite. He threw the salt in the guy's face. Yeah, I was more a Jimmy, yeah, Jimmy the Mouth of the South. Jimmy. Was it Jimmy Hart? Yeah, I, any of those guys, any of the uh, Bobby like Heenan personalities, I loved them all. Bobby Heenan, oh, Bobby Mr. Fuji's dead. Yeah, Mr. Fuji's dead. Slick, I, I loved. Dead. Yeah, poor Mr. Uh, Fuji. Yeah, they did a really good memorial for him when he passed. Uh, man, all my favorite wrestlers. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. 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 Fucking uh, yeah, they all die. It's sad. It's sad. A lot of them have like the heart trouble and stuff like that. And I mean, they put their bodies through so much. I bought the wrestler. I love that movie. Yeah, I'm not the biggest fan of that movie. I find it to be really depressing. But I mean, you know. <laughs> well, I think like, you know when you look at like uh, you know like Jake the Snake Roberts and like what was happening in his life. I felt like this was kind of like inspired by that. You know, yeah, yeah, definitely. It's I, I I won't argue that I'm not saying it's a bad movie. It's definitely a very good movie, but it's like one of those things where it's like I don't need to own that. Oh, I bought it. I love it. 
It's funny. I was at LA Comic Con yesterday, and Jake the Snake was there. Nice. How'd he look? Signing autographs. How'd he look? I didn't see him myself. I just saw his booth. He was, you know, he was there earlier before I got there. I love you. Yeah. Saw his boots. His booth. Oh, his, his autograph booth. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I did see Tommy Wiseau though. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. You know, I could. I could sitting there like with a line of people taking photos with him and selling DVDs of the room. Oh wow! I could have done a phone interview with him, but I didn't. Yeah. That was, I, I wish I would have. I didn't because I had never seen like when Riff Tracks said like, "Oh yeah, he's doing phone interviews right now." I I had never seen the room at that time, so and I didn't. Oh man, I wish I would have been able to talk to Tommy Wiseau. So that would have been incredible. That I mean, would have been awesome. He seems like a guy you can just reach out to and yeah. probably get an interview. Oh, I might do that because I don't, I don't reach out to anybody for any interviews because like yeah. first off like who's gonna want to be on this fucking piece of shit? We're talking about fucking like. <laughs> Animal penises and all that. <laughs> King Louie dong. King Louie. King Bluey. I mean, yeah, we should have we ended this like 10 minutes ago. Like, with, like that King. Uh, I didn't even know we were recording still. I... Oh, yeah, this is still going. This is like, this is like bonus. <laughs> this is like cutting room floor shit that I'm throwing out there for people. Oh, shit. I'm glad you brought that up. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. would have saw right. the real Jake. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. Shit, shit almost got real. <laughs> <laughs> Jake uncensored. <laughs> I know. Like the old Jerry Springer fucking videos. Yeah. Used to be able to get. Uh, Jake gone Jake wild. Elliot, too hot for TV. <laughs> yeah. Let us know what you really think about the hate you give, huh? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right, guys. Uh, yeah, we're going to end this one. But, uh, yeah, thanks for listening and all that shit, whatever. Um, yeah, just... <laughs> <laughs> The sincerity, the sincerity. Animal, oh my gosh, King Louis' belly button. Oh my god. I don't know why I googled the cartoon animals before I googled the real animals. You, That's funny. That's worse than me thinking of it. <laughs> well, well, Brian, Goofy does not have a belly button. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, just like all good leftovers say in their doggy bags, thank you for your patronage, and thank you for listening. We will see you next week. See ya. Laters. Take care. Thanks for listening to Pop Culture Leftovers. Congratulations. I don't know how you did it. I couldn't do it. You people need a T-shirt saying, I just listened to two hours of nonsensical crap. Anyway, if you'd like to reach the Pop Culture Leftovers cast, you can email them at comments at popcultureleftovers.com. You can also follow them on Twitter at PC Leftovers or like their Facebook page. They'd love to hear from you. They're all pretty sad and lonely. One of them is homeless, but I didn't say that. There's already like 7 million podcasts talking about pop culture and all that. Makes us happy like shooting at a womp rat But it's all been done before and we don't want to be a copycat We're the leftovers picking up the scraps Dropped by the cool kids it, it, It's a trap Could it toss it, could it taste it Do we love it? Hey, let's face it, can't erase it Let's embrace the Tupperware party Subculture spill over like a vulture Carryover, counterculture, pushovers Pop culture Leftovers And with the uncool kids What's to say's already been said Leftovers Pretty sure that the only talent 
It's the band that's singing this pop culture leftovers. Podcasts that are original and good have already been done before, so we should separate the wheat from the chaff. And we're the chaff, the crap, even though we're the shit. Woo! We're the leftovers picking up the scraps. Dropped by the cool kids. It, it, it's a trap. Good and toss it, good and taste it. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carryover. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. Leftovers. And with the uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftovers. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers. Do we love it? Hey, let's face it. Can't erase it. Let's embrace it. Tupperware party. Subculture spill over like a vulture. Carry over. Counterculture pushover. Pop culture. Leftover. Uncool kids. What's to say has already been said. Leftover. Pretty sure that the only talent is the band that's singing this. Pop culture leftovers.